Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go with Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you, as always, for joining me today on Apple Podcasts, App, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Today, the big five. This is a starting five right here. This is the NBA Outsiders at its fruition, a full starting five, but we'll start off how we always do. John Lucas Duffy, what's up, brother? What up, what up, my guy? Playoff basketball's back. I'm back. I was away, but also back. Frank Villani, what's up, dog? How are we doing? Starting center for this five. Standing <laughs> at six foot three. Me. <laughs> we need you to play big, dude. That's all that's all you need to know. We need you to play big. You're like PJ Tucker out there. I'll grab a board. That's it. I'll grab a board. And then Kyle Anderson also over here. What's up, man? What's going on, man? I just want to let everybody know, you know, I got a new mic and everything. Oh. So uh, if you see me on um, Rap City um, <laughs> and Big Tiggers, introduce me for my for my freestyle. Just just let you know. My uh, my sounds going a little sound a little a little more official, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, well, letting everybody know. That's a great uh, segue to our last guest here, our last co-host for the day. Uh, he was a big you know advocate of the audio on the show, but also a little bit of a hater on the audio of the show. Now he's on the show, and that's Andrew Duffy. What's up, dude? I'm back. Good to be back. I'm here. And how apropos Yo. of you to say I'm back because you did the last dance episode with us that we talked about Michael Jordan when he said I'm back. It was pretty Jordan facts, baby. Well played by you over there. And that, that's it. There's five of us today. It's a lot of people. We know, but we're having fun. We're talking playoff hoops, but we're also talking something that's going to get one of the Duffies, I'm sure, riled up. Even if he's seeming calm in the beginning, just wait. Just wait for it. Uh, but Subway Sports Talk, apologize for no episode last week. I was out of town and unable to watch enough, and now I've caught up and I've had these guys get me up to speed. Now I'm back watching. It feels fantastic. Hopefully you've been enjoying the playoffs too because it's been super-duper fun. Uh, But there's no place else to start than with a team that just left the bubble, that just lost uh, a pretty embarrassing playoff series, and that's the Philadelphia 76ers as we say, bye-bye, Brett Brown. So I think we just call iso ball right off the jump, and we throw it to John Lucas Duffy over here. And we say, how are you, John Lucas Duffy? I'm surprisingly good. I'm calm. I have I have a sense of clarity at this point. I realized going into these playoffs, a championship was out of the question. It just was not going to happen. I told you guys that. And I, I didn't even watch the Sixers really in the playoffs. I watched them sparingly because I felt the sweep coming in my bones. I just knew it was going to happen. And... Pretty much my goal going into these playoffs was to make sure Brett Brown was not back next season, and I feel like I achieved that goal. So I feel like I accomplished a lot over the past week. I don't know about the rest of the franchise, but I did my job. Uh, and I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for, for all the trade scenarios. I got Trade Machine as, as a favorite tab. I have it set to open automatically, actually, when I open Chrome on my, on my laptop. That's dedication. And Safari on my phone. So uh, I'm in. I'm all in. Every trade I see on Twitter where it's like, okay, you get Al Horford, Matisse Thibel, two first-round picks, protected top eight for Chris Paul. Yeah, do it. Lock it in. <laughs> call it, I'll call it, I'm ready to call it in to, to the fucking league. 
because this the sad thing is is like obviously none of that can happen but I feel like we're a year behind schedule. I feel like the Sixers are a year behind schedule. We we should have gotten rid of Brett Brown after last season. He stuck around because of that famous four bounds from Kawhi, and everyone felt like we were so close, and we were. But, you know, it was just time for him to go. There was a lot of things that started to come out over this year. You know, Josh Richardson alluding to a lot of lack of accountability within the organization. Uh you know, Jimmy Butler said on the on the JJ Redick podcast, fantastic interview, two former Sixers, JJ Redick, fond fondly remembered by all Sixers fans, and they talked about the same thing where there was a lack of accountability, couldn't tell who was in charge, uh, who who was supposed to be taking the lead, film sessions where no one's talking, you know, and uh, and you just sometimes you needed a different voice in the locker room. And people were outraged when Tom Coughlin had to go, but maybe they felt it was time. This is not that. Everyone is cheering <laughs> in the streets. And we knew it was time a year ago, so I feel like we're a year behind schedule. And and we got to figure out now if Joel and Ben can play together. It's not for me to decide. It looks like Elton Brand is going to be sticking around, so we'll see how that goes. Him, Tobias Harris, and Al Horford can just keep each other warm with their massive, massive paychecks at night. So. They have that to comfort each other. And with the, with the year behind comment, and I'll let someone jump in, just because you said this in our group chat before, I want to make sure it's said again. The year behind comment is more about last year, if you got rid this of Brett Brown. This is supposed to be our first year with the new coach right. after Brett Brown. And this, th- year. this was the year to find out if Ben and Joel can play together. And you leave the year thinking probably not, but you also didn't get a good enough look or a creative enough look. And that's part of why you're now one year behind. This new coach has come in and try something new rather than doing something a second time at least one year behind it feels like it's more like 18 months behind because mm. this weird timeline we're on like i i could see before the trade deadline one of those guys getting moved and gun to my head right now i'm saying joel because mm. he's still not in shape he's still not grinding on the block he said in his post-game presser after they got swept everyone wants me to be Shaq. that's not what the league is well i like joel i got news for you buddy that's what you are that's what you are. That's what you have to do. I don't want to see you facing up from 16 feet with your weak ass jab steps. And then you're pulling like he makes that shot pretty regularly, but you know what I know he's going to do if he gets good position on the block and he does his work early Two free throws, he's going to get free throws. We talked about him being the big man version of James Harden, where you can just every night I can just pencil in, in the box in the, in the box score. He's going to have 12 free throw attempts and he's probably going to make nine, 10, 11 of those because he's a great free throw shooter. Every time he took a three-point shot, I just I wanted to somehow call into the bubble and just demand he was benched because I just couldn't handle watching it anymore because it felt like he went one for forty in that in that series and it just it's it's just a chore to watch like that's why I didn't watch because after watching all season and I was one of the people like hand up as a fan I was one of those people is like they're a matchup great for the Bucks they have more talent than anyone in the East. The identity of this team is that they're going to be locked down defense. Guess who's looked like shit since he played the Sixers? TJ Warren. TJ Warren got absolutely sunned by the Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler, but he dropped 53 on the Sixers' heads. All right? What's like, how does that happen? This team is supposed to be this defensive juggernaut. Didn't happen. Tobias Harris is making $36 million a year, and he is like a shade above Harrison Barnes in my mind. Like, he is. Barely better than Harrison Barnes to me. So it's better. Yeah, like and now that's your max guy. So 
this is it. This is where we're at. It's not untradeable, but at this point, it would be such a chore to trade. You would have to basically mortgage your next, you know, three to three years of draft picks. So it's whatever. It's where we're at, and we kind of just got to go through. New coaches got to come in, do the best they can, and there's really nothing more to say about it until the next season starts and you can see more under a different regime. It's just you, you don't know what to do with, with what you saw. You just I'm just happy it's over at this point. That's really how I feel. Genuinely relieved. Yeah, man, I, I definitely think that uh, you know, I might might be kind of an unpopular, you know, opinion for me. I I do want to give credit to to Brett Brown just because he, you know, brought them from where they were to where they are now. However, you know, it's not for me, it's not his fault. Obviously, he should have been fired last year. And obviously, no one like, you know, decides like, hey, look, you know, this is the year I should be fired. But I think it's a fault, you know, to the organization just because, like you said, we they, they should have let him go last year. And I think it was more of an emotional decision instead of a, you know, a, a, a heady decision. All time good guy, Brett Brown. Can't let him go. Right. Not an all-time right. coach, just all-time good guy. And sometimes you have to make that make that tough decision. And you know, he weathered the storm and got them, you know, with the whole trust the process thing, and he got them to where they are now. And obviously, Philly was like in the dump before, you know, where they are now. But you know, hopefully, the next guy can just take the next step. Is what you hope for. You know, he kind of he kind of you know uh, overstayed his welcome in a sense. The team will regress this year, no doubt. Yes. Yeah. I'd just like to add something really quick. For all you listeners out there just wondering, you know, what the sound of defeat is, just rewind the next <laughs> whenever we started and just play back my brother talking and the tears <laughs> and the hurt. And I just want to say, like we talked about this earlier, he and I in a private chat, which I didn't know we were allowed to make public until earlier today when he <laughs> outed me in another group chat. <laughs> you know, we were talking about Dame and that grind, you know, and just how certain guys don't want it, specifically Embiid. But I mean, right now John Lucas is also with the, you know, Embiid. I mean, I don't know if you're about that grind. You know, you just the defeat in your voice right now. You just want to, you know, what, what's what was his name? Hinky. You want to bring him back again and just tank 27 seasons in a row again? That's that's all I'm hearing right now. It's just defeat. <laughs> I'm hearing whining. I'm not hearing any solutions. Where are the solutions? Yeah, I yeah. feel. I, I, I thought you were a solutions I have, guy. I feel like I have no closure. I feel like I have no closure because Hinky never got to actually finish the job. Like, Colangelo is just like a dark fleeting you know when you just wake up in a cold sweat and you're like wow that was the scariest nightmare i've ever had but i don't remember any of it except for this one oddly specific thing and for me that was when we traded from three to one to get markel fultz who was playing jv basketball at the age of when he was a sophomore in, in high school like so and he went to the university of washington never played in a big game his mental toughness was never challenged at any point in time there the signs were there and it's just like i'm not saying don't take him because Look, they don't trade up. Then Jason Tatum, he probably goes number one. Lonzo Ball goes number two. You take Fultz number three, and it's fine. But when you trade up for a guy like that, it, it just really it changes everything. And if it wasn't for Hinky in the process, that type of fuck-up would just cripple the franchise for the next 15, 10 to 15 years. It's still going to really like cripple the franchise, but... <laughs> It's not, it's not going to be as bad as like Greg Oden. 
You know what I mean? It's not going to be Kwame Brown. The Portland Trailblazers are uh, have been doing pretty good since that pick. Just saying, but they haven't they haven't actually been like contender level <laughs> or like Sam Bo- like, like you get you get my point. No, no, though, I like. do, I do. I was just being a jerk, I guess. I mean, it's funny. I love that Andrew just said that. Like this brings us back to the whole conversation, like about tanking, about oh, the look. process. <laughs> like, where did we end up? Tobias Harris, Tobias Harris, and Al Horford had fewer threes made combined than Markel Fultz in these playoffs. How am I not supposed Wait, to feel whoa. defeated? Can you repeat that? That is that's accurate. That's true. That's a nice little. It's it's like tied. It was it was like tied. I think or it, it was close. Like the fact it, through three games he was ahead of them. Hey, listen. Through three I, or four I don't, games he was ahead. Of I don't appreciate that you brought Markel into this anyway. Like I'm I'm upset that you dragged into him into like him into this debauchery uh, because he's a guy who had a specific thing happen to him that kind of was outside of the Sixers' control. Like I think you really look at that pick and kind of stand by it in a weird way because his talent was there. I, I, Every team said, had like, him in the top two of their board. So it's not like it was a weird pick, but think and about... And if you don't trade up, you, it's, and if you don't trade up, you probably take him anyway. That, and, and I'm fine with You that. just look around but the league, though. Give away we, another pick. We joke on on the, the Knicks now with the Mavericks, how Porzingis, Hardaway, and Trey Burke are like playing well for the Mavericks. Like The Sixers, a lot of their top picks are just randomly spread around the league. Nerlens Noel's, Julio Okafor's backup bigs, like... Michael Carter Williams. There's dudes who the Sixers picked who are just floating around the league. And yeah, I guess the thought was you get two of these guys like Ben Simmons and Joel and it works out. But this just goes to show that, yeah, tanking could maybe give you an extra chance to get there, but it still makes it incredibly hard. You know what I mean? It's something we have to visit back when we talk about the Sixers, talk about Brett Brown, what type of coach do you need at what point uh, of your franchise? And we talk about the Knicks right now. We talked about Mark Jackson and all these different things. Brett Brown was the guy who needed to be Mark Jackson out of there, and you get in a real guy who's going to coach up these dudes and not just pat him on the back and say, good job. Because for a while, the Sixers needed to be told, good job. You guys are playing your asses off, and you're losing because you suck, but you're playing hard, and that's all that matters. And when we get better, it'll lead to wins. That happened exactly. It's what the I wish the Knicks could do. It's what the Nets just did with Kenny Atkinson. Like The Sixers were on the right path, and like you said, Duff, that decision of not letting him go and not giving the chance to elevate the franchise or giving a new voice a chance to try something new, it impeded this progress. And It's freaking hard to make a good team in this league, and now the Sixers took two steps forward, two steps back. Well, not two steps back, one step back, because uh, they have some incredibly hard decisions to make, but still have two franchise pieces. So it, it's a really weird place to be. It's oddly happy, but it still reminds you of all the sadness, which is why how Andrew called back, you know, the sadness in your voice in that segment, it makes a lot of sense. I just think back to all the assets. You're, you're thinking on all those picks that Hinky whiffed on and like Noel, Michael Carter Williams was really, he wasn't like a top five pick or anything. I think he was like five or six though. No. Jalil Okafor. He was a lottery pick. He was a lottery but, pick. Okay. Yeah. They, Yikes. he flipped all those guys into more picks and more assets. Like he won right. when he got rid of those guys, he won all those trades all those assets turned into Markel Fultz, which turned into Jonathan Simmons, which turned into nothing, <laughs> or it turned into Toba- like Landry Shamit, who and a bunch of picks, Tobias which Harris. turned into Tobias Harris, which turned into one of the top three, probably second worst contract in the league after John Wall, who has like a torn ACL, Achilles, and like 
he and has I, one thumb now. Like, it, it, <laughs> like that's the only contract that's and worse. And I still than have more confidence in John Wall to be an impact player when he comes back. <laughs> I agree, and I feel the same way. And I just fact-checked that uh, three-point statistics. Uh, Markel Fultz, five three-pointers made in these playoffs. Tobias Harris, two three-pointers made. Al Horford, zero. Oh so wow. got rid of a guy because he couldn't shoot, and he shot better than two guys who were making a combined... Oh, my God, like uh, $60 million. Oh, my God. So, yeah, combined $63 million per season, but a total of, uh, like, almost... It's like $280 million. Total. Hey, at, that, at that point, though, do you think it's a development issue that you see with the organization as opposed to, you know, a pick thing? You know, because sometimes you hear about guys that, you know, they, they do get picked, you know, at certain points in a draft. And then, you know, slowly but surely, like, you know, year by year, they get better and better and better. Like, I feel like, you know, some of the triggers that they pulled on some of these guys that they let go were super early, like in their careers. You know, like, do you think it's a development issue or do you think it's just we just totally missed? So I think it was for the early guys like Michael Carter Williams, Noel, Okafor, for those guys specifically, it was part of Hinky's process where he is. I am looking for generational talent. You guys are not that. So I did not get into this business of tanking to get like a Mecca Okafor or Adam Morris. Like I'm not the Bobcats, right? We, uh, if you are not that dude, we will move on immediately. So that's where that came from. Fultz was, they were trying to just add a rotation piece for the playoffs in that push last year. So they ended up getting Jonathan Simmons and an Oklahoma city first round pick. That was actually the Sixers had already had that pick before. Um, so Which that was actually made and then, sense. When you think about the East last year, that that kind of made sense because because it was wide open to a certain degree. It's yes, I, I, I'm not supernova. I I do not question the thought process behind getting rid of Fultz to get another rotation piece. I do question who they selected for that. They didn't get some kind of like some shooter on an expiring contract that could have been really good for them. They got Jonathan Simmons. He's a slasher. He is. He's an effort guy. He's an effort guy. Like, I don't even know who I would compare him to. Like, he's not, he doesn't shoot. Like, he's not going to crack the rotation on a team that desperately needs shooting, spot up shooting. And I think, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Pete. No, go ahead, Pete. I was just going to say what Kyle said brought some to mind, and we just kind of circled around it again with development. You said MCW, Note Nerlens, Okafor, those guys weren't even worth trying to develop because you knew already they weren't generational talents. Then you got two generational talents in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And how much have those two guys gotten better? Obviously, Embiid made a... Honestly, he didn't even make an incredibly huge jump. He was sick as a rookie. He just played only a few games. But how much did those two guys get better? And how much did those two guys really lift the guys around them? Or did they just take what they were already good at and plateau and just be good already? You know what I mean? Like, they went from really, really good to, like, Really, really, really good. Not to great, if that makes sense. I feel like that no, neither one of them actually developed any skills. Like, what did they right. add to their repertoire in the offseason? Like, no, Joel Embiid had all nothing. that stuff. He just became a higher usage guy and more they just consistent. Became higher, like, they just became higher IQ guys. Like, they just understood how to play in the NBA better, which is extremely important. But that only takes you so far. When you look at a guy like Jason Tatum and it feels like he's got a, a new move like every fucking game or Jalen Brown, the player he was when he came in 
and who he is now is so day and night. Or a guy like Brandon Ingram, who was like had all the skills in college, then it looked like it dropped off. He didn't like being in the fishbowl of LA. And then he goes to New Orleans and now he's like an all star player on uh, like finalist for for most improved. Like I didn't see any type of incremental growth in personal development, skill development, shooting, post moves from Embiid. Like I when does Embiid just say like fuck it, I'm just gonna out footwork you, hit you with a nasty drop step and just lay it in. Or I'm just gonna go left shoulder, hook shot. He doesn't I do think, anything. He's just like I, falling over the other guy's feet to try and get fouls and things like that. I think, John, uh, because I think we talked about this, I think it was late last week, because I listened to that pod with, uh, with Bill Simmons and, and Rajah Bell. And Rajah Bell was talking about cultures and the fact that, like, yeah, you got, the, you got Embiid, you got Simmons, uh, and you, these guys are super talented dudes. Any GM and coach would want them. But they were raised in an environment of failure and raised in an environment of toxic losing and tanking and this and that. And so, like you're talking about now, like yeah, they might have all the skills in the world, and they they might not need to improve on much, but they don't have that, they don't have that that inner ability to win. Like Kyle's a coach right now, you you know what that culture is all about. You gotta you gotta right. set the foundation. Like Brett Brown was, he might be a good coach, but he was there when they were losing, and maybe he's not good enough to coach them when they're they should be winning. And that's why I think a lot of times you see it, like we see good coaches get get fired with with like bad teams, but mm-hmm. exactly like you said, you guys were saying, like, you got to break that. You have to break that culture. I saw it at Wagner when Hurley came in there, like you start changing things, you start doing radical things and you start really pushing people to get out of that comfort zone. You can't just accept the fact that you might have 30 tonight, but you lost by 20. Like that's not acceptable. Like you can't do that. Never in a world is that acceptable. If you're that good, like that should never be happening. And that, that was that whole big thing when Barkley and Shaq went off and Embiid, like those guys know what it takes. So whatever they're saying is, is, is fact. Like Shaq is one of the best centers and X number player of all time. Barkley is, you know, one of the best power forward and players of all time. Like they know what they're talking about. So that's what I think is, is the bigger issue in my personal opinion. Like it's a, it's a culture thing. It's an organizational thing. It's not just about talent and pieces. And they don't go at Vucevic, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they go at guys yeah. like Embiid. They don't exactly. go at Vucevic, yes. you know? And like, as, And as guys, you know, Brett, Brett Brown obviously brought them to where they are, and I think he was supposed to be like the rah-rah, like, come on, we have to do it almost like, you know, almost like a for Philly thing, and, you know, oh, we, you know, we just have to play hard and let the chips fall where they may. And now that they've gotten to this point, now you need a guy that's going to come in there and actually coach. You know, he was the, you know, the guy that just came in and, you know, hey, we're, you know, the, the toughness guy, the guy that, hey, we have to establish, you know, we're not going to take shit from anybody, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Embiid and Simmons both have the same game, like the exact game from college. Nothing has improved. Like, Pete, you, you we talked about it before. Donovan Mitchell, you know, was not the first option at Louisville. He was like two, three months in into the Jazz and he became the first option, you know. So it's it's like you said, Andrew, it's, it's something organizationally where they are not developing their guys and you know that it's it's something where they're you know their their evaluation process or you know just their skill development is not where it should be you know with the talent that they have you know no way and the raja bell point is is a good point but i'll counter with saying yes that organization was not good they weren't winning 
Embiid was sitting out, the team was tanking. He comes in for 31 games in his rookie year, then like then gets hurt again. He doesn't play at all that season. Meanwhile, that whole season where it's supposed to be Embiid's rookie year, it's supposed to be Ben Simmons' rookie year. He breaks his foot. He sits out that whole season. So the following season after that, they win 53 games. Their first season together, they win over 50 games. They finish the season on like a 16-game win streak. That was that year. They win the first round of the playoffs against the Heat. They lose against the Celtics. They have that famous confetti game, all that. Their first season together, they make it to the second round of the, of the playoffs. So, yes, as an organization, having that losing mentality can be cancerous, and it, and it's hard to get rid of, near impossible. But those guys weren't playing when they were losing all those games. So what's the excuse for this year then, though, right? Didn't they regress this year? That's like, a, what's that's the, the excuse point. then? Yeah. Absolutely. Like, what's the reason then? You, like, you just laid it out. Like, their first full season, they were, they were beast, and then they take a step back. So there's, there's an underlying they had, issue. They had guys like – and you, talk, you specifically, Andrew, talk about this all the time, and it's not always about getting talent. It's about building a team, and, and chemistry is so important. They had guys like Marco Bellinelli and Ersan Ilyasova and J.J. Redick, who right. – I would take all those guys over Tobias Harris and Al Horford any day of the week. Like I cannot stress this enough. I know people harp on this and it's for a reason. I watched like 90% of the Sixers games this year. Those guys were dead weight all year long. Tobias Harris did not have a signature game all season. Al Horford, you were lucky to get 10 points from him. Like he was a corpse out there. It was terrible. Those guys weren't making open threes. I th- I'm pretty sure up until like February or maybe like middle of January, Tobias Harris was shooting sub 30% from three. You can't like, I would rather have JJ Redick. They were paying JJ Redick $20 million a year just to like do like DHOs and, and like catch and shoot threes and, and these crazy off the dribble threes that we see JJ Redick shoot all the time. Like, those are the guys. Here, let me read you some 2019 free agents because this was something I was going to get at. Like, we ended up walking away with Tobias Harris and Al Horford. Like, you could have had Malcolm Brogdon was a free agent, Boyan Bogdanovich, Terrence Ross. Uh, who else? There, I, there was a bunch here. Seth Curry. I would have rather had Seth Curry than Tobias Harris on this team, 100%. And that's not even just because of what's happening in these playoffs. We watched him last year's playoffs mm-hmm. on the Blazers, and he killed it. Uh, who else? I th- there were at least a couple more I saw on this list. Well, wh- why not you, Marcus Morris? Why, why you round that up? <laughs> Frank's been real quiet over that. I want to get his take because you've been listening now to all these different angles and Wesley Matthews and, and whatnot. So Frank, you've you've been you know vocal on the Sixers as we've talked about them so much over the past three seasons. How you feeling about this? Round, round it up for us about the Brett Brown Sixers situation moving forward. Wherever you want to take it. Yeah, I feel like. We're we're kind of all on the same page, but just all over the page. <laughs> kind of all in agreement, but we're arguing about it. Um, I think one point Duff made about um, the trade for uh, Jonathan Simmons. They paid more for Jonathan Simmons than the Clippers did for the Morris twin they got from the Knicks this year. And Morris is like 10 times as impactful. Like... I think it's not just the development thing. I think it's also like some poor moves on that side too. Like in a way, I think Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons really bailed out the organization and kind of made everybody forget really who the Sixers were and who they've, I don't want to say always been because there was a 
a decade of, you know, elite success, but the Sixers that I've known have kind of been like the Knicks. They're kind of like a laughing stock organization that can never get it right. And that's kind of what we're all landing on right now. And I know it's kind of mean and hard to say, but I, I think Duff himself is even kind of there. He just doesn't want to admit it. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, 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 I I'm, I'm saying it without saying it, Frank. I'm with you. Yeah, the, no, only, I, the only I, difference, but like it's hard, you know. It's it's hard. Like I said, it's like it sounds mean, but it's it's kind of just the truth. They're they're kind of just always in shambles. They're like you said, they're a year behind, but they're they're always a year behind. Yeah, yep. they, they and, went uh, they went and, a year ahead, and then they dropped back two years. So now they're ne- uh, net minus one year, if that makes yeah. sense. Like. Yeah, it was like the, the the first year that Joel and uh, Simmons played together. They were like they're over under for win totals like 47, 48. And whatever from the previous year to that year, that would have been like the most insane turnaround. They beat their over under by like five games. Yeah, It wasn't close. Like and they had a team with Dario Saric, Robert Covington. Like I it's just kind of amazing to me and people shit on Hanky. And they don't like the process. They don't like the idea of losing and whatever. But he just found an inefficiency in the system, and he exploited the shit out of it. And that's what he did. They changed the rules for it. And I have no problem with what he did. I respected the hell out of it because it really just took some balls to just say, not only are we going to lose, like we are going to just make sure our whole team is full of unrestricted free agents or or just like unsigned guys, like just really below the floor. And then at the end of the season, we'll just sign some random guy to make sure we hit the cap floor. Like he was like really thumbing his nose at the system yeah. and it was working. And I like other than Ben picking Ben Simmons, like everything that the front office did after Hanky left was dead fucking wrong. In my opinion, like I would not have traded for Jimmy Butler because he wasn't a fit. Mikhail, like Mikhail Bridges. I remember that was one that happened in that same draft, Andrew, that we were watching together. That was that didn't make any sense. You traded like that was like kind of like a hanky esque move, but like that's not where you're trying to like look for high variance. Let me get an extra draft pick. Now you're just looking for solid players to fill the gaps around two stars that you already have. And Mikael Bridges was the best player on the national championship team that rolled through the tournament, beating everyone by double digits. Like that is he was the perfect three and D guy, perfect. And that's you that's traded right. him away it was for build over right. A, Yep. And he's from Villanova. His mother worked for the company. His mother right. worked for the Sixers. Jeez. So, and you traded him away for a project in Zaire Smith, and like not a project, but like a, like not as finely tuned, more not as refined. More of an unknown. More of an unknown, higher upside athlete kind of guy, and a second round pick. I don't yeah, think imagine the city like rallying it. behind. Imagine the city rallying behind Bridges too. You know, like, yo, this is yeah, our guy. He won, he won a national championship for us. He fits he's perfectly. Fit right into the rotation. 3 and yeah. D. He's the, he's the dude. All he has to do is stand there, shoot threes, and and guard. And one, he would have been, he would have been like it. Robert Covington 2.0. Yeah, and then perfect. if you do a fucking you one, one, dribble, uh, right one dribble drive, like on a, attack a closeout one time, and you're an all-star. <laughs> and you see what how lethal he is on the Suns. Like, if they got someone like that, someone like a Cam Johnson, someone like... Who the whoever the fuck that guy is on the Pelicans, that Italian dude, who's like <laughs> Nicola the, Melli? Yeah, who's yeah, he's like the Miritich knockoff, like someone like that. <laughs> someone like a Maxi Kleber, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, <laughs> they like tried to swing for the fences and like find that third star, 
and Jimmy Butler was not a cultural fit, whatever. And Tobias Harris is a guy that made sense on paper. And I remember after last season ended, my dad was like, what are the Sixers going to do? I said, they're going to sign Tobias Harris for the max. And he goes, and he doesn't watch a ton of NBA basketball. He just goes, whoa, like, you think he's a max guy? I said, no, but that's what the market value is. Like, that's what his market value is. That's what his leverage is, is a max player. Because if we don't give it to him, someone else will. And they're going to commit to him because they traded away all those picks and Landry Shamit. It's going to be commitment bias. Yep. That's exactly what happened. And here we are. Well, it's fair to say there's a bunch of stuff to clean up in Philadelphia. Uh, we could get into some names that we want to see as a head coach. All we have to say, though, about that for now, just because we have some more stuff to get to, it's just, just you know, bear with the Jay Wright rumors. We know we know they're not too real until they're, like, really real. And it's cute for them to put it in a tweet, but as us Knicks fans know, just because it's in a tweet and just because someone says there's interest doesn't mean anything. So all the J. Wright rumors, just keep them out of my face for a little while. If it actually gets serious and he interviews for the job or something like that, like we'll have a conversation. That's all I got to say. Wait, hang on. Before we move on, before we, Andrew, you get thir- like 30 seconds. Tell us why or why not J. Wright will or won't happen as a Nova guy. Uh, I have no insider information. I, I, Jay is the perfect. I know college. you don't. I know you don't. He, he's, he's in the same mold as like, uh, you know, Coach K and all these other legends of, of college basketball, I don't think he should leave. He, he's a perfect college coach, in my opinion. He's, he's, he's just great, like, with everything he does. There's, why would you go there and try and remold that? I mean, he, he's, he's talked about having the dream of going to the NBA, so maybe he'll do it. But I don't know if I would want to step into that situation right now and be dealt those, those cards. I mean, I have no idea. I mean, he's he's... He's got like top five recruiting class on any site you look at, I believe, coming in next year or this year, whatever it is. So I don't know why you'd walk away. Well, I hope Jay Wright stays around, you know, for at least another year or two because uh, my boy Trey Patterson is going over there and is, uh, you know, going to be a freshman there uh, after this after this upcoming basketball season for Rutgers Prep. So um, hopefully he sticks around for a year or two, you know, expect that he's supposed to go to the league. So. Uh, he, he was, you know, his father was my high school basketball coach. So, yeah. Well, shouts to him. I, oh, now he's officially, we're officially stands of Trey Patterson on this podcast as of right now. Yes, sir. We going to leave. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Know. We all going. He doesn't know about this podcast. Maybe he does. I don't know, but maybe he will find out one day because we will be the Trey Patterson fan club from now on. <laughs> oh, big time. Big time. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. The other name that mentioned in the first Woj tweet was Ty Lu. That's like an obvious possibility right there. You know, he was known for standing up to Braun when it needed when he needed to, and that's like a really something that the Sixers need. So uh, we'll see what happens. But there will be more names to come, and, and uh, we'll see. But that's enough Brett Brown Sixers talk. I think we got enough depression mixed with – Hope mixed with uh, maybe a slight bit of optimism out of Duff. I don't know. It was, it was a lot of emotions for Duff there, but I think it really ranged. It ranged from calm to sad to depressed. It was a lot of stuff going on. But uh, anyways, let's move on. Subway Sports Talk. Pete Kennedy, John Lucas Duffy, Frank Filani, Kyle Anderson, and Andrew Duffy. That's a lot of names now. I got to get that ready to go in the back pocket. We're out here. We're talking hoops. Now we are on to talk about the basketball that we have remaining and what we've been just seeing. So the Sixers, we didn't even talk really about what they did in these playoffs because it was pretty much a joke, and they got run off the court. Now it's time to talk about some performances that have been incredibly impressive, and there is no other place to start than with Luka Doncic. We put up a poll on Subway Sports Talk on Instagram 
saying, is it, or can we confidently say that we are watching a legend in the making in Luka Doncic? And a hundred percent of people who voted on the poll said it is not too early. We can confidently say this dude's a legend. So Luka Doncic and Frank, since you, uh, you know, you were, you're waiting your turn a little bit on the Brett Brown stuff. Let me just go to you right now. Luka Doncic, Dallas Mavericks. He is an absolute baller. How impressed? What do you have to say about this guy other than he's amazing? Like, what, what can you add here, Frank? Just the poise for such a young dude. Um, and I think you see it from a good number of these European guys, but definitely not all of it, uh, all of them, and definitely not, like, as early as him. But you could tell, like, he's been a professional athlete, not just a professional basketball player for a long time, like, the way he carries himself, the things he says, like he does everything right. And then everything on the court is like, it's literally breathtaking. Some of the stuff he does, he's unique. And I'll never forget just seeing the clip of Ernie Johnson saying, bitch ass white boy or whatever, because, <laughs> <laughs> because Montrez Harrell said it, I saw a video of someone dubbed over, Montrez saying it, but put Ernie's voice, and it was like oh, nightmares. <laughs> it, it, it was, but it was so good. It was so funny. Um, but like, not to be too too anything, but like, that's the pride of all white boys who've ever played basketball, right there. Like, he's absolutely killing it at the highest level. You can't deny it now. He said it. You know, like we believe we were supposed to be here. Uh, some people thought we were too young. This, that, the other you know, but we knew and he's proving it. I mean, a lot of people probably second favorite to win the championship, maybe, or third favorite to win the championship. And they're tied in the series two, two because of what this, is he 21 still or 20? I, I, 20. I think he's 20. He's 21. Still 19. <laughs> they're still 19. Yeah, he's 19 years old. It's unheard of. He's 20. Yeah. But you know, I, I know, but, yeah, it's it's incredible. Uh, something we've never really seen. This game reminded me of this past game he had on Sunday, where he goes for you know forty three. I think he had like fifteen rebounds, thirteen assists, whatever the exact totals were. Uh, it reminded me a lot of LeBron's like forty seven point game against the against the Pistons, whatever that game was, where he had like twenty. Like the last. Yeah, he had like twenty three in a row or something insane like that. Like it kind of reminded me of that where it was just so dominant on every, on every level to the point where he is scoring over 40 points a game. He's cleaning up on the boards because, Oh wait, they don't have their seven foot two center and he's getting everyone involved because this team is tailor made around him to, to make any open shot available. But that's the beautiful thing about the Mavericks is it's not just about shooting open threes. Like it's not Daniel house, PJ Tucker, and, you know, the likes of and Jeff Green, it's like Seth Curry is legit, man. He can put the ball on the deck and make a play. Trey Burke might be the quickest guy in the entire NBA. And Tim Hardaway Jr., when he was in, when he was on the Knicks, like we dogged the Knicks for giving him all that money. Didn't really make any sense. I mean, I guess they had to, you know, after a certain amount of time, it's like they got to pay somebody. He ends up being, you know, kind of cap filler throw-in for that trade, but for that sends Porzingis to Dallas. But he is a, a phenomenal number two so far to Doncic. And 
I got to say, in these playoffs thus far, I'm just talking about since the, the legit playoffs started, not the seeding games, not the play-ins. Since the legit playoffs started, Luka Doncic has been the best player in the league. And I don't really think it's debatable. Hondo P. I agree. Yeah, man, I think, uh, you know, we're starting to see that Luka is, you know, his time as a pro overseas is kind of proving why he's so ahead of his time. Like, uh, you know, he's he's playing with the maturity of a guy that's, like, been in the league for eight years. You know, the guy that were like, oh, you know what, he's really – he's really at his prime right now, or, you know, he's really starting to hit his stride. And he's he's been in the league for, what, two, three years, and he's already, like, almost one of the best point guards in the league. So I think his his time overseas and, like, under you know, just, just playing basketball against other pros and other grown men and, you know, learning how to be a pro, learning how to be a point guard, you know, making the right decisions, knowing when to shoot, when to get others involved, you know, is really paying dividends to how how quickly he's adjusted his game to uh, to the NBA right now. The thing that I find really uh, fun as somebody who doesn't really have a team and doesn't and enjoys the playoffs more than the regular season is just the way that these two teams are competing against one another. They're both talking shit. They're both talking trash. They're both getting really chippy with one another, getting each other's faces, not backing down. And and the really cool thing about the Mavs is you can tell they're a team. And um, it's it's very different than the Clippers. Like the Clippers are a team too. Don't get me wrong. And I'm sure they've built some chemistry and and that brotherhood that's important in a locker room. But it's way different than what the Mavs have. The Mavs are, you know, guys who have been traded, or drafted, or brought there. And the Clippers are kind of a bunch of mercenaries who were, you know, brought together just to be hired for a job. And then, you know, when Luca hit that shot. Well, there was like 20 guys who circled him. I mean, everyone did, you know, and it's just, they're all piling on him. And he's just, you could just tell that they know he's the guy, but nobody cares that he's the guy. Like they're all rooting for each other in their own way. And, and, you know, whether it's Kleba just playing defense or, or Hard, Tim Hardaway disappearing and then making a couple of big plays down the stretch and Trey Burke guy wasn't even in the league, right. A few weeks ago. Um, it's pretty sick. And, and Luca is just, He's fun as hell to watch. Somebody who, you know, I love Dirk just because, I don't know why, I just had a soft spot for Dirk, and I was so happy when he won that title. And now it's just like, it's like Dirk 2.0 for me. I get the root for the Mavs just because Luke is fun as hell to watch. And, and Carlisle's, I mean, he's a, he's a badass coach, that guy. He's a really good coach. Um, and it's, it's fun to watch him going against Doc, too, uh, who's, a, who's a great coach. But it's just different teams, man. It's, it's just very different when they're built and coached differently. It's, it's fun. Andrew, you mentioned, you know, before the, the playoffs had started and I was so down on the Sixers and you were like, you know, don't, you know, they're talented. Don't be too down. They got that kind of nobody believes in this thing with no Simmons and all that. I think, you know, that's, I, that's a great angle to have is like, and it's underrated and that Bill Simmons talks about all the time and it, cause it's true. But the, all of the Mavs supporting cast, and I bet you Luca even feels this chip on his shoulder going third in the draft. Like, Seth Curry was out of the league. Then he was back in. He's this is his second run, second run with the Mavs. You know, Trey Burke was out of the league. Maxi Kleba, undrafted dude out of uh, Germany. Tim Hardaway and Kristaps Porzingis run out of New York. Like that's the type of guy that Boban has bounced around from team to team to team. Like all those guys have been counted out 
and it's like the island of misfit toys. But they all fit together, and Luca is the glue. JJ, no, fuck JJ Oh, come on. (laughs) But no, no, I saw him play. I saw him play for Puerto Rico in the Pan Am games, and he just was chirping at the refs all week long. And I just couldn't. I was like, man, this guy is really trying to bully the refs at five foot ten. I really couldn't believe it. Wow. Well, I mean, honestly, I didn't think about this until Andrew just said it, and it's a great point. The Clippers and the Mavs are similar in some really important ways, but their differences are what's making this series a series. The Clippers. Like, Marcus Morris is a dude who, I mean, watching him as, as a Knicks fan, like, kind of having to root for him this year a little bit was weird for me because, like, he's a dude who is going to give you his all, but he also wants his spotlight. He wants his shine. He wants to take the shot, which you want, but you want to a certain extent. Like even Pat Beverly, he's going to do his thing. He's going to run his antics. He's going to be loud and obnoxious. Uh, even Lou Will is, like, the cool, slick guy. And, like, they all have these personalities that are their own, their own individual personalities. Paul George is playoff P. He's getting smoked on the internet right now. Kawhi doesn't say a word, and he's been the like the lone, you know, consistent, super consistent the guy that he is. There's no one driving force for the Clippers, and there is a driving force for the Mavs, and it's really impressive. And is there a coach, Duff, that makes you more upset when you watch him run an ATO? than Rick Carlisle, that he's not your coach. <laughs> I wish you guys Bro, could have I was, seen this I didn't right want to say that. I didn't want to talk about it because every time I, I, I was hoping we would get through this and it wouldn't even be mentioned because my God. Automatic buck. Automatic bucket. I don't know okay. how they find more more like asleep defenders in any given scenario. Like, God damn, they must practice the shit out of those. I love it so much. Yeah, I mean, they're they impressive, just, dude. The easiest – I love – they did, yo, Trey Burke did something nuts in that game against the Clippers late in the game. He, like, fucked up the inbounds play on purpose so that everyone was like, oh, shit, it's going to, like, he's going to wrap around the three screeners. He's going to go to the corner. And then I, I think it was Finney Smith. It was just all, like, dummy action for Finney Smith. He just dove to the to the near side block, got it, layup. Like, ugh. I love it every single time. I don't time. know if that was on accident. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. He started a circle early, right, and they didn't hand the ball in at a time? Yeah. Yeah. And then he had a restart. Trey Burke was pissed off. Yeah, he was. <laughs> I thought, hey, I'm giving him credit because they got the bucket. Maybe I'm he sold it. You sold it. He might have got me it. too. I don't know. I'm, I'm no I'm better than Kawhi, apparently. Yeah. And uh, I think I think with this credit that we're giving Carlisle right now is where I kind of, you know, and I'm I'm the biggest Doc Rivers fan, but Doc Rivers had a really bad brain fart at the end of that game. And, like, I don't know how you let Luca beat you there, you know, in that last possession. You know, if, if I'm if I'm just thinking about defensively, I'm either telling Kawhi to fight over that, you know, fight over the down screen and, you know, and, and you know, stay on Luka. Or Bullshit, lazy, saying, like, let's get a switch down screen that we talk about all the time that everyone no, runs. Right. And it was just, it was just like lazy for Kawhi to like just give up, you know, that opportunity to defend Luka there. You know, like, don't switch. You know, fight over it. And on top of that, they caught he caught the ball near half court. So, like, it wasn't like, oh, he, you know, he was catching it on the run towards the basket, and, you know, he pulled it back out. He had opportunity to recover, you know. And, and just, just think about this. Like, imagine if Kawhi's decision defensively was the same decision. Say if it was we put LeBron in that situation. How bad would, be, would LeBron be getting killed right now? You'd be getting destroyed, crushed, destroyed for that. Like that was just like it was really soft. The TNT guys gave Kawhi shit for that. They did, but like Kenny, I think Kenny was saying it 
the most. He was like, I understand it's your game plan to switch everything, but there's moments in life and in basketball games, you need to take the game plan and burn it on fire and need to do whatever needs Correct. to be done. And Kawhi's that dude. Like, he is that guy who just does what needs to get done all the time. So it's weird for him to make that decision. Uh, but also, circle back to the Mavs quick. What we're talking about, the Sixers. It is so important for role players and secondary stars to lean into what they are. And everybody on the Mavs leans into what they are. Tim Hardaway Jr., I defended it when the Knicks gave him that money because not that I saw he can do what he's doing right now. I saw the potential and the willingness to try to be that scorer from Tim Hardaway. And he took strides. And he, yeah, and he, he, he took his lumps and he was really inefficient. And he was a volume 17 point a game guy like Tobias Harris. But Tim Hardaway Jr. plays with an energy and a chip that Tobias has never seen before. You know what I mean? And now it, it's showing. And the same thing goes really for, for Kleber and Seth Curry and, and so on and so forth with Dallas. And, and for all the love that Luka deserves and we're giving him, the whole team deserves some love. Uh, but goddamn, I think we ranked him seventh in our aggregate top list for the NBA players. He could have been higher. Is there a chance that he's six, that he's above Harden by the start of next year, that we look at Luka and say, There's a chance he's one. Oh, oh, oh. There, it, right now, duh, if you duh. had to put yeah. odds, if you had to bet duh. odds, and I'll, I'll tell you, let's say Giannis. Even, it, it, the series is even right now. There's no home court advantage. If the Mavericks win this series against the perennial favorite to win the finals, and now I'm not saying it's likely to happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But I'm saying it's within the realm of possibility if this happens. To me, like like I said, he's been the best player in these playoffs, and that's what everyone cares about above all else is the postseason. There's two seasons, regular season, postseason. If he's the best player in the postseason, he is essentially the best player in the league. Like Giannis is about to win the MVP. I it, There's no question in my mind I would rather have Luka Doncic than Giannis Antetokounmpo. No question. Yep. Yeah, I so, agree. So right now, if there were – say say Giannis was uh, plus 200 – and Luca's plus two fifty for MVP next year. Because I mean, let's just say, you're taking Luca all day for MVP. Yep. Well, I, it's possible, dude. He can I, he can drop twenty nine nine and nine next year in a blink of an eye. I think so because I think that like now he has announced himself, and this is like his time. You know, they love the media loves narratives, and it's like the new young guy stepping up and all that shit. And I just want to say something. We earlier today we were dogging. Uh, the in-game interviews from the coaches. I actually thought that there was a great in-game interview from uh, Carlisle. <laughs> not that he said, not that he said anything of note, or like, or not that he said anything valuable, like in terms of game plan or anything like that. It was just like, what do you think? Someone asked him, like, what do you think of this team and how it's performing? He's like, oh, we're so resilient and this and that. And then they asked him something about Luca, and he was like, it's like that's a bad dude. He's like, he was basically just saying to the rest of the league. If you read between the lines, he was like, you motherfuckers better watch out next year because it's like we are coming. Right. Like, we are so fucking coming for this league. We're young. And it's just he kind of had that tone that, that Steve Kerr always had where it's just like, I love that you guys are giving me credit for this when I have a, like when I have Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and Clay Thompson. Like that, that, You know how fucking hilarious that is to me that you guys think I'm such a genius and that's what I have out on the court? Like that's what's kind of his vibe to me. It was like you guys really think – like, do you understand how how fucking great this is that I have a guy like Luka Doncic I can coach and how many blemishes he hides? Like, do you understand, like, half our starting lineup wasn't drafted and, and we just <laughs> – and this is Luka is just making shit happen? It's insane. Yeah, it's, it's, it really is. And the, to segue, two guys who we're about to talk about should, in theory, be really close to Luka Doncic on this top list. 
right? The two guys we're about to talk about, Nikola Jokic, Donovan Mitchell, and even Jamal Murray. Their age group and their up upcoming stardom in the NBA should put them in the 15 range in the NBA ranking, right? But Luka, who's younger than all those dudes, has sur- not only surpassed them, but we're putting him with the likes of Damian Lillard. We're putting him with the likes of James Harden. We're putting him with the likes of Giannis. Like, it's his No, second. I'm putting him with the likes of LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard. Like, who are the, who are the best players in the NBA that, to you right he's now? He's right like, there. I'm still... Those two guys are still the top Kevin two. Kevin Durant. And, but yeah. And yeah, he's coming off an Achilles injury. Right, I, don't, right, right, right. I don't know. Like, oh, for sure. If we uh, get dude, I'm with you, bro. the Kevin Durant, absolutely Kevin Durant. But we don't know. And shout so, out. To, like, in my mind, he is like the third best player in the NBA right now. And shout out to the Kings and Suns for just letting him go. Shout out. Vlade Divac. I love how he just like fucked shit up for 10 years and was like, he didn't even get fired. He was just like, I'm out. Yeah, I'm going to leave my own terms. They didn't, they didn't draft him because he had a fight with his dad or something, right? Sheesh, dude. Unreal. Unreal. Well, let's keep it moving now. Luka Doncic, you are a legend, and we're going to get to watch it grow over the next 15 years or so, and it's going to be quite it's wonderful fun. for everyone involved, except for maybe fans who hate the Mavericks. Then sucks for you. Uh, but moving on. Atlanta Hawks fans. <laughs> yeah, and Hawks and Kings and Suns fans. Uh, moving on to the next series and next group of players we want to talk about. I don't know exactly where to start because we can start with a big-time positive, and that would be Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz, or we can start with some negative and some Swiss cheese and talk about the Denver Nuggets and their defense and Nikola Jokic. So, Andrew, as— uh, Let's keep the good vibes rolling. I need a dopamine injection after the Sixers start that we had. Oh, there we go. I was going to give Andrew the choice, but the other, the other Duff— I'm calling you the other Duff now because it wasn't your turn at that moment. But, hey, let's do it. Let's keep the vibes moving. <laughs> Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz, and Duff, I think I said this to you on our our mini reaction pod the other day. It's time for the Nuggets to sack up. It's time for them to get it going. And last year was their first playoff run. Underwhelming first round, seven-game series win to the Spurs. Did not play well against Portland. And I said, Duff, we all think the Nuggets are the team to beat in this series. But the Jazz will guarantee you one thing. Really legit effort, playing as a team moving in the same direction, and Donovan Mitchell's a bad man. You can't not sleep on the Jazz, and they've proven not only just that. We should have not just slept on them. We should have given them some respect. So let's keep the good vibes rolling. Talk about Donovan Mitchell and this Jazz team because they've been a revelation without a legitimate top scorer in this league in Bojan Bogdanovic. Am I going or, or is Big Duff going? <laughs> yeah, you already interrupted me, so you got to go now. So I got to go. There we go. Right, I'll go. <laughs> you're on um, the, you're, you're over your defeat, apparently. So here you're you're back. I feel I got the juices flowing again. I, my serotonin is overdrive again. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> I just think this series was more about. I was blinded in the seeding games. The Nuggets look great. They're scoring a shit ton of points. Michael Porter Jr. I was drunk off the Michael Porter Jr. vibes, and mm-hmm. I was wrong. I was wrong. The, the Jazz have a, a death grip on this series. There's a couple close games. You know, I, I just... Donovan Mitchell is just clearly asserting himself as the best player in this series, and which I think would be a surprise to most people, the way that there's like a toss-up between how we think of Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. And this is this turns to a larger conversation that Andrew and I were actually talking about this morning. How you build an NBA team, you got to go outside in, not inside out. You got to start at the perimeter with guards and wings, mainly wings, and then you worry about your centers later. Like Kyle, I know you you cannot stand watching Jokic, and he was getting 
his lunch stolen by Rudy Gobert up and down the court because he's just such a bad matchup for him on the offensive end Destroyed. and defensive end. He, he, he's everything that Jokic doesn't want to play against. He is athletic and versatile on the defensive end to the point where he can step out and contest. Like, he's turned Jokic basically into a jump shooter. And Jokic is, is at his best when he's grinding on the block doing the weird herky-jerky moves at, like that no one really understands what he's doing. But Gobert, he can't sneak anything by him. And then on the, the defensive end, Jokic is getting burnt torched like on all these hard rolls lobs the jazz finding gobert in the dunker spot time after time like he's been dunked on five times in this series it feels like so it, it starts with mitchell as number one best guy in the series clearly asserting himself I th- he's one of three players to have multiple 50 point games in a playoff series and that list includes Allen iverson and michael jordan never heard of him so to me this series is about the jazz and the Nuggets certainly miss Gary Harris to help just play any sort of perimeter defense, but shout out Donovan Mitchell. Like he deserves it. Connecticut's own. Yeah. The Nuggets have just been getting torched uh, from the guard position. Mitchell's doing whatever he wants. Mike Connolly looks amazing. Like and Fred then, Van Vliet of last year. And then Clarkson comes out there and he's just, he, he comes out there and, and the other guys are just getting beaten to a pulp, but then he's out there just lighting people up. I, I mean, I know we're giving Jokic a lot of, a lot of shit because he's supposed to be this big time player, and he is. But the whole team has just been. I think they look soft, and they just don't. They don't look tough. They don't look tough enough. Nobody, nobody's stepping up and can get stops. And I really think we're seeing. Uh, and I mentioned this to you guys this morning, but. How much of the home court advantage of the Nuggets, uh, you know, playing Mile High City actually would matter or does matter in a lot of the the games that they win? I, if I remember correctly, like uh, a lot of those places, you can look up the home court advantage. The Nuggets are usually, you know, great in the NBA. So I wonder if that really is a big factor. I mean, playing in the bubble, playing in Florida. I mean, they're at sea level, so the lungs don't matter at this point. Everyone's on even playing field, um, but they just they just have looked, you know terrible on defense and nobody has any balls like Pete said nobody's sacking up and getting stops the Jazz are right now when you know they see that Jokic is on the floor right now they're playing that that Marcus Peters interview from that championship game I said we ain't done yet they're just gonna (laughs) keep running pick and roll at Jokic all day long they don't care. Like, they're looking at Mike Malone, like, get him off the floor or we'll keep doing this to you. <laughs> and he's like, nope, nope, I'm going to, nope, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. All right. It's going to keep getting worse. And he's just such a defensive liability. It kills me. It kills me. I, I really, like, was trying to give an honest eye to it. But now that I'm home during quarantine and all I have to do is watch basketball, I can actually, like, try and dissect like, you know, Jokic's game and everything. Now, offensively, obviously he's a stud and he can score and he's probably the best passing big in the league. But defensively, he has zero, like, lateral movement and he's not a quick-footed guy. So now when you have Donovan Mitchell and now an added Mike Conley from, you know, from, from quarantine coming downhill with Rudy Gobert in the dunk spot, who is he guarding? 
because he's not, you know, he, he can't pick a, you know, pick which one to guard. And then on top of that, he's not stopping Gobert because Gobert is just too athletic for him. So now, you know, Malone is now put into a position where, you know, in the regular season where it's kind of an up and down game and now the game is slowed down and now that Jokic has to play defense when, you know, you can kind of sacrifice it when the game's going up and down. Now he's pretty much in this position like, all right, probably, you know, my first or second best player on my team, I may have to play him limited minutes now because he's such a defensive liability. And obviously Murray has, you know, stepped up in his defense and, you know, has kind of, you know, diminished his terrible plus minus, which is, you know, in the last couple games, minus one, minus 21 and minus 23. And, you know, Murray's like, you know, if, if it wasn't for Murray, like it wouldn't look so bad, you know, because he's balling out so bad. But, you know, without Murray's buckets right now, we would literally be just killing Jokic, you know, for a guy that we think that has the highest, you know, one of the highest ceilings in the league, you know, as a player. He's getting treated like Enos Cantor, bro. Yeah, Dude. I was thinking that too. Pick and roll at double zero. That one, one that you said that, yeah, the, like literally the first thought I had when you said that. But um, I said okay, I, mean, I think Cantor we ain't done yet. Said, I think we ain't done yet. <laughs> <laughs> Killing him. Killing him. That's it's like, so funny that this is happening to the to the. Nuggets and the and the Jazz are basically imposing this will onto another team. After the past two seasons, they were bounced in the first round by the Rockets, and Rudy Gobert was played off the floor. And now Rudy Gobert is playing another center off the floor. It's it's really interesting to see how like matchups are just so incredibly important in today's NBA. It just really comes down to matchups. Yeah, so, so often. Specifically in in series type settings, as opposed to. Like, night in, night out. Yeah. How many times? I think like maybe once or twice a year you'll see a team play the same team home and away. Or it happens, you know, like once or twice per team. But still, like that's nothing compared to a seven-game series. And the bubble, to, to Andrew's point, the bubble and not being in Denver, like that definitely makes a huge difference. I saw it happen with, with the Sixers, where they were up 20 going into a fourth quarter, and they just blew it. They had no legs. They Duff, had Duff, absolutely Duff. no legs left. Get over it, Duff. Get, get, the Sixers are done. With I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Move on. Let me move on, bro. I'm going to segue into the negative talk. Wait, wait. Because that's I, how I rock. Oh, oh, no. No, go oh, ahead. Hey, go ahead. Hit up. Hit up. I was just going no, to say one more thing on the Jazz, because it is part of the negative of, of uh, the Nuggets here. Like, Frank, you made the perfect point there. With the seven-game series, it's exactly what happens with uh, James Harden and the Rockets. Like you're getting come, you're getting defended in so many different ways than you were during the regular season, and, and that's why I was getting upset—not upset, but I was trying to defend Jokic in the group chat last night because I'm saying, yes, Jokic has looked terrible. Yes, he looks like an absolute liability on defense. Yes, his offense hasn't been that great to like lift up the negatives. But you have to say the Jazz are exploiting a weakness that. Most other teams haven't been able to do exactly. And, and now it's time for the Nuggets and Mike Malone to figure out a way to negate it back the other way in their favor. So for all the negative on Jokic and Mer and uh, the Nuggets in general, all shouts to the Jazz because they have now figured out a way to play a guy who is pretty much bona fide top 12 player in the league to make him look like a useless player in this league. So, yeah, Frank, continue. Sorry hey, for coming and, up. 
And also, sorry, Frank, before you start, I just want to say, you know, adding Mike Conley to this lineup has been huge. You know, going from, you know, Mitchell's 30 and sometimes 50-point games and now adding another 20 points and a ball handler so Mitchell isn't, you know, pretty much the primary, you know, uh, assist guy or, you know, playmaker on the offense. Now he has a guy that's, you know, going to come in and set him up and also get his own buckets. So I just want to say shout-out to, to Conley. He's balling out. Yeah, I feel like we've been waiting on Conley for, like, the whole year to pop in Utah because it seemed like a match made in heaven, but it took a while. But happy to see it for sure. Um, but, yeah, I love talking negatives, so let's let's move on to, you know, more centered on the Nuggets. Um, I don't know, like, it, it, I'm, I'm going to think of solutions even. I, I'm not even going to go totally negative, like, they they have an interesting set of characters. They're like a team that is not 10 deep. They are kind of 12 deep. Like it could be uh, any given night, one of these random guys kind of goes off and can get you almost 20 points. So with that being said, like to your point, I, I know he's playing a little bit, but I think Bol Bol and MPJ should be getting just more minutes and maybe even flash Jokic over to the four and put Bol Bol at the five because it's like – so much better of a matchup, uh, at least on the offensive end. Like, he, he can legitimately just hold Rudy Gobert out by the three-point line because his stroke is that good. And he's fast enough to potentially even get past him. Whereas, like we were kind of saying before, he's a nightmare for Jokic, just stylistically. So just to switch up in that direction. Um, but even beyond that, like, part of this being so disappointing is how much talent the Nuggets do have and how much we could all see. And to, to everyone's point before, they got to nut up. Like, somebody's got to take pride in playing defense. And, I mean, you know, they're missing Gary Harris, I guess, who is a good perimeter defender. But, like, someone's got to be a leader. And I know um, Jamal Murray's trying to be, but uh, maybe shooting the three ball is not the way he needs to do it. You guys all watch more than I do, but what was the point of playing like Dozier and Michael Porter Jr. and Bo Bo all these games in the bubble if he wasn't going to use them? Like, I know I know teams trying to figure it out, but, like, the last game I watched them play was against the Lakers, and, of course, you know, the Lakers are probably doing some different things too, but, like, they were no, giving them – Trying their hardest win again, 100%. <laughs> they were giving them hell at times. And so it's like you're playing all these guys, they're doing well, and now here we are, and you shorten your bench. And these guys cannot stop any of the guards that the Jazz has. And then, like Frank's saying, throw Bobo out there. Maybe it changes what Gobert's got to do or whatever the Jazz have to do. Like, like throw a counter. Like, you just Don't keep throwing that. the same dudes out there. Fucking Mitchell's getting 50-piece every game. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, I, I, like I, know, I know Jokic is slow and can't guard the pick and roll, but, like, he's not – you know, like, not all 50 of those are him. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, the guard, right. I'm like, with you. Like I saw the ball screen or fucking just play D. Like yeah, I mean, that's the thing I'm dude, not I'm put, not getting. Put Jokic on Royce O'Neal or whoever the worst shooter is for the Jazz and just try to make it harder for them to get Gobert in that situation where he could get an easy alley oop dunk or an easy dump off pass. Like you ha- like just how um the Rockets and the Warriors 
do all sorts of different stuff and put Steph Curry on the, the worst player or the most random player, the worst shooter, or James Harden, the same thing. And then you force the other team to have to bring out a guy who's not used to setting a pick up at the top of the key to try to make that switch. It makes it that much harder. And if they don't make some sort of adjustment, then the series is going to be over, frankly. But if they don't make some sort of adjustment on the defensive end and try to put Jokic in semi-better positions here, we're going to have very different conversations than expected coming into this offseason because they're they're not cute anymore. They're not the cute, fun team that the NBA nope. outsiders talk about because their offense is super fun and Jokic is doing stuff we've never seen. You're past that. You are now in the realm of the Rockets who have getting, gotten crap for years, the Thunder and Westbrook who have gotten crap for years, Dame Lillard who gets a hard time, playoff uh, P, Paul George who gets a hard time. The Nuggets aren't cute anymore. They're, it's Now it's time for you to win series and to be competitive and not to just make nice plays during the season. And, and that's what it comes down to. But it, they, need, they need to start developing a little bit of an edge. You know, they're like, yeah. we talked about it before. They're, they're just a little too soft right now. You know, like you, there's, you know, besides really Murray, you know, Murray was like, was the first one on the team for me that, that showed some like, you know, some nasty to him. Like you can tell you at the end of that, that game one, he's like talking some shit when he's hitting big shots and he's competing. Like he's really the only one that's going back and forth with Mitchell. Right. You know, I really like wants some of this smoke right now in this, in this series. And everyone else kind of shying away from it. So they, they just need to get some kind of a, you know, I don't know if it's a swagger. I don't know if it's a, uh, you know, a nut check like we've been talking about. Like, whatever it is, they need to do it and they need to do it fast because the series is about to be over. Yeah, and uh, a guy whose name we didn't mention because it seems like he's not there a lot is Paul Millsap. And he should be, in theory, the veteran leader, the the Richard Jefferson-type guy who, uh, in theory, I see Duff shaking your head over there. Like, he's not that guy, clearly. People people love talking about him like that, and he, and he should be like that with the money they pay him, but he right. just hasn't been that guy like, for a couple even of years. A, even a guy like Richard Jefferson who brought just things we'll never understand to Cleveland. You know, the, the toughness, the swagger, the confidence, knowing what to do on the floor, like, that's something that the, the Nuggets are lacking. But let's move on to two teams I just mentioned who have now consistently been in that conversation of, like, you need to succeed to a certain point, like conference finals or finals for the Rockets or it's a failure. For the Thunder, it's been different over the past couple of years, but they are looked at as a top-tier franchise. Obviously, this year, they got there a little differently. But now we're 2-2. This is perhaps the best series we got in the first round. Rockets, Thunder. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, and it's part of the Rockets' lore. Uh, people who root for them and people who root for against them, they can do anything any night. They can beat anyone any night. They've been shooting even more threes than they have in the past, but now they're looking 2-2. They're minus Westbrook. A lot of Eric Gordon, which can be really good or really bad. Uh, not enough Austin Rivers, in my opinion, but uh, Duff, I'll go to you first. Who's in control of the series right now? Obviously, the Thunder have won two in a row, but it's 2-2 now. What's happening? Momentum is on the side of the Thunder because they actually have a guy. This is the first time we've seen a defender who can actually kind of go toe-to-toe with James Harden. Which is insane. And he's like the classic. Crazy. It's insane. I mean, he's the classic. Harden's the classic. You know, you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. I would say Dort has stopped Harden in two games in the series. One being what was it, game one, where the bench just went insane and they hit every shot and then... They shot 80%. Yeah, that's just like, you're, you're not going to beat a team if, if everyone's just hitting wide open threes like that. And then game three, stops hard again, holds him under 20, 
And that's that's stopping him. For you know, we're talking about James Harden, and then the the bench doesn't go crazy. The Rockets, you know, you force them to have the ball in their hands. The the, the sporting guys hands late in the game, they fuck up. The Rockets lose a the game they probably should have won. And then today, it's just kind of just close down the stretch. Just whoever was kind of making big shots, making big plays, late in games. And the thing is, they have multiple guys. The, the Thunder have multiple guys they can go to at the end of a game to get them a bucket, be it Chris Paul or Dennis Schroeder or even uh, SGA, like Danilo Gallinari. Any one of those guys can kind of go get you a bucket in any given play. I try, I'm, you know, not to carry a game, not necessarily to carry, always carry a quarter even. But on any given play, one of those guys can always get you a bucket. If they're out on an island, shot clocks with seven seconds left, and they're just ISO on somebody, they have that. The Thunder don't have – or the Rockets don't have that. They have Eric Gordon, who can do that sometimes, but he's been really feast or fam in the past couple of years since he won that six-man-of-the-year award. And if it's not James Harden and it's just not Eric Gordon's night, who else – you're saying it's Austin Rivers. Like, they, if you are in a point with your team where you're saying – we need more Austin Rivers, you're in trouble. Like, that is not a good place to be. And that's that's just a fact. So, this game, the, the first two games didn't look close, looked like the Thunder, the Rockets were going to have a stranglehold in this thing. But this is the problem with their high-variance strategy, is that it's fucking high-variance. Like, they, you can go really high or really low, and that's where they're at right now. There's a couple low games, and the thing about a seven-game series is, it could be you could be like fifty close to fifty fifty. You know you might you might have won the eighth game, but it's all about that seventh game, right? So I said Daryl Morey was going to get fired by this. I actually had an alarm go off in July, by the way, when uh, on my phone. Remember we did a podcast. I mm-hmm. said I set an alarm on my phone that one year from today Daryl Morey was going to be fired. That was assuming that the season was going to finish on time. So I'm still putting that into like whenever free agency is happening in the off season, whenever that timetable looks like, I'm still expecting him to be fired, especially if they lose in the first round, even if they lose in the second. I think if he doesn't win a championship, he's not going to be the general manager there anymore. I just don't think the guy likes him. Yeah. For Tito, he does not like that. Um, Maury challenges him and disagrees with him. Because Fertitta is definitely one of those dudes who it's his way or the highway type stuff, and Maury's not going to settle with that. And if Maury is fired, he will have every single team with an opening calling his name, and even teams without an opening. I'm calling him. Considering, I'll call him for the Sixers right, right now. Yo, if the Knicks landed Daryl Maury, that would be the best free agent signing of their history. Ooh, <laughs> Leon Rose. Well, Leon Rose. Chill, dude, chill, if, chill, if chill. Leon Rose knows what's good for him, he says, I'll just be the president. You run the whole thing. I'll just sit here and pretend to know people. That's it. <laughs> so I have a question. How do you say Dort's first name as someone who historically botches names really bad in my Well, well you, you could say Lou, Lou but yeah, isn't Lou. it Lu- Lucan, <laughs> Lucan's, Lucan's Dort? Maybe. I don't know. I'm usually good with that stuff, but I'm not right now. Rusty. Lou. I call him. Probably Lou. got like a weird French twist to it, or I don't. I don't know Lucan's what his heritage Dort. is, but I know he's from Canada, right? Yep. Um. I mean, I know it's very short sample size, but what a stud defensively, like next level. Um. James Harden. I don't know. I feel like it's 
it could partially be Dort being really, really, really good or James Harden just kind of regressing back to uh, his choky ways. I know everyone's getting on Paul George PG-13%, but um, we've had these same comments about Harden in the past, so I don't know. Yeah. It's t- uh, I I mean I'm the worst guy to jump in here, right? But Harden was making Definitely. shots. He played decently well today. Like he, you know, they lost the game and he could have done better. And Dort did a good job on him. But Harden wasn't really the reason they lost today. It was really more of a deep. Well, he could have been the defensive issue, but I I don't know. I'm I'm not there yet. I think it's more a tribute to Dort matching him physically way better than pretty much anyone else he goes against. Either there's somebody a little quicker than him and Harden uses his strength. Or they're a little slower than him, and he uses his, his lateral uh, quickness and, and craftiness. So Dort is really matching him in a special way right now. So I'm not ready to go the choke path just yet on Harden, but he can easily get there if he shoots a dud in these next couple of games and they get knocked out in the first round. What if they just lose the series? He plays well, but they lose the series. Uh, this is definitely a series that everyone has them penciled in to win before. They were the favorite. They were the favorite, but this is—I wouldn't call it a pencil job for the Rockets. The Thunder were looked at by many people. You know, Bill Simmons, Zach Lowe, some of the biggest basketball talkers in in the business. They're saying the Thunder were the best, uh, the third best team in the West, and they were the best contender uh, because of their fourth quarter clutchness, which they're showing off again. A lot of people were picking them to be the next contender after the LA squads. Okay. So, but no, I think the Rockets yeah, were favorite, but it's you can't sleep on what the Thunder were looked at. Um, Harden had like 15 assists today, so I'm not quite. I mean, I know he didn't, you know, have 40, but I mean, 15 assists, so he's involved in at least 15 other or uh, 30 other points. It, right? it was, I was just talking about games one and three. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, I mean, yeah. Dort makes it harder um, on him. You can't deny that. Even when Harden goes off, he makes it a lot harder on him. Yeah. And this is the thing we've all known about the Rockets for years, right? Remember that Warriors crazy comeback, you know, uh, after the Rockets like missed 20 something threes in a row. I mean, yeah. if, if all you're going to do is, yeah, if all you're going to do is take threes and not get to the line and, and get easy buckets and layups, uh, you're going to have a, a chance that somebody's going to go on big runs. And that's what the Thunder did today. And the Thunder, a lot of veterans, guys who've been a, around in a lot of big games, you know, Chris Paul, Steven Adams, Gallinari. Uh, they're not afraid, and they just hang around, hang around, and they go on these runs. Uh, and it's interesting because, you know, just like most teams don't have an answer for Harden, it seems like the Rockets don't have an answer for Schroeder. I mean, he's he had 30 again today. That dude is quick. Like, he is not scared. He he is he's playing fierce out there. Um, and I was unimpressed with the Thunder after that first game, or it was the second game, whatever. I texted my brother, and of course he gave me some shit today about it, but the last two games, they've hung around and just made some winning plays. I mean, uh, Gallinari picking off that steal towards the end of the game today was huge after that miss that they, they had. And, um, you know, I've been impressed with the Thunder. And, and Donovan's done a, done a pretty good job. We'll see how they do. And and uh, it's just interesting because uh, while the Rockets decide not to play with a center, right, the Thunder are rotating Steven Adams and, and uh, Noel. And Noel's what I like, what what I saw today from him, like he wasn't afraid to do the dirty work, and he didn't care that he wasn't getting the bas- the ball or anything. But he was he was going after the offensive boards, and so it's interesting, you know, when you see a center doing stuff like that, who who was like we talked about before, big time draft pick, got kicked around the league a little bit, and here he is now putting in meaningful minutes, 
and he's a difference maker. So that type of stuff matters. Um, you know, like Austin Rivers, and we're talking about guys got to step up, and you never know who it's going to be. Yeah, man, CP3 is, uh, you know, I've, I've probably talked about him a lot already on this podcast, but CP3 is definitely just the most competitive person in the league. And, you know, he's one of my favorite players in the league, you know, probably my favorite player for that reason. He, you know, has such a, uh, you know, huge chip on his shoulder, even when he's, you know, probably like a, a 10, 12-year vet at this point. And, you know, he plays every game trying to prove something. And, you know, I think having Billy Donovan is like the perfect head coach for him because he's like the same, like, gritty, tough head coach that, you know, asks, you know, just to, you know, for their players to just, you know, play their ass off. And, you know, he you can tell he's, he's putting – uh, the Thunder in, you know, every position possible to, to win. You know, after the first two games, I was pretty worried. I was like, dude, this might go, you know, they might get swept. But, you know, they just hung around, like you said, Andrew, every game they just hang around. And, um, you know, just, just to think that before, you know, the, the season started, they had a .2 chance of getting into the playoffs. And they are on the brink of potentially moving on to the second round. Um you know, just because CP3 has brought that mentality in, like, yo, dude, like, yo, you're just as good as this guy. You're just as good as that guy. You know, if you want to, if you really want to, you know, win this game, you know, do whatever possible to make it happen. You know, you, you, names are whatever, you know, and this, and this, this bubble, this playoff is proving it. They're like the anti-Mavs. They're so good in the clutch. Like, every close game they win it, every close game the Mavs lose it, all regular season. I mean, barring uh, this Sunday as an example for the Mavericks. Like, even that game, they were up eight with, like, two minutes to go or less than two minutes Dude, to almost, go. Yep, they almost blew that one, too. They, they did blow it. They go to overtime, and then get bailed out. They, they get bailed out by the game-winning no, shot. Right. And, and the Thunder have been the complete opposite of that in the, in the last five minutes of games where it's, like, within five points either way, where Chris Paul has been the leading scorer in situations like that. He is really – taken a leadership role on that team and really showed the guys the way. And they've been in this situation time and time again. I think that's why you're saying, Andrew, like these guys are not afraid. They are not afraid in these big moments. I no, want him. Uh, no, go ahead, Andrew. I'm sorry. And this no, is I, I was just experience. The Bucks don't have this experience, Pete. I've been telling you that. <laughs> I just, Kyle, I want to back you up because I was watching this game today. And uh, I think at one point, like Chris Paul was like, oh, four, oh, five from three. And I'm sitting here watching. I'm like, man, he's not really doing much. And then, like you're saying, to get down to crunch time, and they they were ISOing him on Harden. And, okay, he doesn't have his three going, but he went to the basket on one, got a quick layup, and the other one he took a took a 15-footer and he nailed it. And so it's like the complete opposite of the Rockets, right? Like they refuse to take those easy layups. They'll kick out to the corner or yeah. throw it out for a three. And they refuse to take those mid-range pull-ups unless it's Russ, right, who's not playing right now. Mm -hmm. But CP3 did the complete – you know, he's doing his thing, and he's like, uh, my three is not there today. I just We need buckets. Like, we got to get points. So he ISO, and they go right at Harden, and they get those buckets. And it was just like – that's what a veteran does. Like, you just do what you got to do to win the game. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how showy it is. Maybe it doesn't fit the game plan all the time, but when you come time to, to nut up, you got to do it. If, if, right. if you need the, proof, 
Tarby. Oh yeah, I was gonna say if you need proof that the mid range yeah, mid range shot can still work, just watch the Thunder, man. Like it's not even just CP. Yep. Like Schroeder and Shea can both thrive in that situation, and Gallo. Like all four of those dudes make mid range shots at a nice clip, and it proves in close games. If you want to just die with the three, try your best. We're going to take this shot right here, and Chris Paul is the best in the game at it. He's going to make it. It's not going to matter. So when it comes down to it, I understand the math. I'm with the math a million percent. But when James Harden passes up in a wide-open elbow jumper, which he is really good at making, he just shoots like three a year now, Like it drives me insane sometimes. I'm like, dog, if you're this wide open, that's a layup for you. Like, Chris Paul knows that's a layup for him. Harden, that's a layup for you, too. Like, if you could make that shot, and Melo's another example. When he hit six out of seven shots that quarter, was anyone mad he was taking mid-rangers? No, because he was making it. So the shot's as good as the result. And obviously, over the course of 82 games, that's not the case. But in a seven-game series or in a three-minute span that you're putting into a, a vacuum and looking at, those shots matter. When you live and die by the three, Pete, to your point, when you live and die by the three... It is either going to be obviously a, you know, uh, you can catch fire, you know, and win by 20, 30 points like how they did in the first couple games. Or it's either going to, or it's going to be tight or, or, or it's either going to be, you know, uh, down to the wire, or you hit a, hit a couple big threes or whatever, or it's going to be a complete blowout. Like just because, you know, you live and die by it so hard that the opportunities that you do get, you know, to shoot at, you know, shoot a layup, shoot a, a, a pull up. Um, you know, take advantage of that stuff. Like it, it, it's tough to watch sometimes, just because you're like, oh, okay, like what, what are you doing? Like wh- what the hell? And then they miss the three, and you're like, all right, so you just gave up a three. Now OKC comes down and hits the three, almost like a six point swing. You know, it's just, I, it's, it's tough to watch sometimes, but you know, I, I just feel like CP3 is doing everything he can, and I want him to win so bad just to prove the rock is wrong. Like, you know, it was always, uh, CP three is just a headache. He's just, uh, he's, he's tough to deal with and blah, blah, blah. Like, dude, like maybe he's just a, maybe he's just a good leader and he's like got some Jimmy Butler. I mean, well, Jimmy Butler's got some of CP three in him. You know, he just, it just holds people accountable. Yeah. And I mean, he also, he's got a different way of going about it. The hamstring thing also hurt in that situation. Yeah, got, I mean, hurt. that hurt. He got but hurt when they needed was, the most. Like, that team was going to the, to the finals, you know what I'm saying? Right. And But it was it was just always like, it was, you know, he kind of got, um, you know, got outcast as a guy. That like, hey, it was, you know, I mean. We don't need him. Before this, right, in the locker room, right, we don't need him. When, you know, now look at him. Yeah, for sure. Another Another guy hurt. With no Westbrook. Yeah, crazy. And uh, now we'll see what happens with Westbrook. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens the rest of the series. It's going to be the one I think all NBA fans are locked into for the rest of uh, round one, right? I mean, what else do we have that's really coming down? Maybe the, the Nuggets make a little run, but it's looking like this is going to be the marquee series and the Clippers maps, of course, uh, we talked about earlier. That's the, the two marquee series right there. Well, anyways, let's move on to our last topic of the day. It's an Eastern Conference preview. We're not going to go insane and, and talk as much as we did about all the other topics because we don't want to make this a two-hour podcast. But we have two very, very good series here. Frank, you want to talk about the very good series or the possibly great series first? Uh, give me give me the very good and save the best for last. All right, so we got Bucks versus the Heat. And 
that is a series not to be slept on. The Heat are a team. We talked about the Mavericks playing as a team, the Jazz playing as a team. We didn't talk about the Raptors yet, but they do it. The Heat play as a team. They have versatile, multi-talented players who know their role, know what they're supposed to do. And yes, the Bucks are the favorite. Yes, they have the best player, or maybe second best player, according to Duff, their best player, I don't know, in Giannis. But this series is not going to be a cakewalk for the Bucks, And that's where I'll start. Do you agree, Andrew Duffy? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't watched enough of the Heat, and and uh, when the Bucks get going, they can get going. But I'm not. I'm not sure the Heat can win. But I think it's going to be competitive. Spolstra is a great coach. Uh, Jimmy Butler and those guys are a really good team. Uh, they play well together. They're not scared of anyone. The Dragon looks revitalized here after that little break. Um, I, f- I feel good about the Heat's chance to at least be competitive. Um, but if the Bucks can figure out their offense, um, they're going to be trouble um, because they their defensive intensity is is unbelievable, and they they keep bringing it up on the on the telecast. And when you do watch, it, it is true they they really do pack the paint and they really do force threes, even though that is what everyone wants. But they just say like, if you're going to make twenty, you're going to beat us, but you're not going to get layups. Like that's not happening. And uh, the one guy who I've enjoyed watching actually has been Wesley Matthews. That dude, uh, he brings it every time. Uh, plays hard, especially if that uh, injury that happened to him, and he's kicked around a couple places. Um, it's it's pretty cool to see him playing well again. And uh, I know he went to school in Marquette, so that's he's right down the block, which is huh? Shout out. Yeah, which is really cool. Um, but I did enjoy watching the Heat, and I have no idea how they matched up during the regular season. And as long as Butler's shoulder's okay, it'll be competitive. I could see it going, going six games. Uh, I'll come in hot. Oh, um, oh you're going, no, I'm coming in hot first. I'm coming in hot first. I like the Heat to win the series. Fuck you, Frank. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> I like the Heat. I like the Heat to win the series because, like Andrew said, if the Bucks can figure it out on, on the offensive end and, and kind of flip the switch here – they have a chance to kind of throttle the heat because Giannis is so good and they have so many three-point shooters around the perimeter. But they're playing from behind because they got to figure it out. The heat took care of business. They swept the Pacers, who are much better than the Magic. And, like, one game's one game. The Magic did the same thing to the Raptors last year, and they won won the championship, right? So who knows? But the Heat know exactly who they are, what they're supposed to be doing. They do it night in, night out, especially in these playoffs. And... I think they just have a different vibe about them where they play so hard for each other in particular. I really appreciate that when I watch them. And uh, I, I, I just really like the vibes I'm getting from the Heat, and I feel like this could be this could be an upset city right here. Uh, I'm going to just hop in here. I hate that I agree with you, but I do. Um, <laughs> to your point, like they pack the paint, and if you're going to hit 23s, you're going to beat us. The Heat kind of have a team like Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler can shoot, Goran Dragic can shoot, even Bam in the corner. Uh, Edric Nunn, Kelly Olenek. Um, even Derek Jones, the guy who can jump like 74 inches, can now kind of shoot a three. Corner three. Um, and and my, my, beyond that, they have the one guy, I think, in the NBA who, like, from a semi-athletic standpoint, can sort of rival Giannis. He's big enough, he's fast enough, he's strong enough. As Bam Adebayo, 
the big bad man down in Miami. Um, I think he's going to be a big boon. He's going to cause a, a, a real problem for for not only Giannis, but for um, for head coach over there. He's going to have to rethink how they do everything. I'm forgetting his name. Bodenhoser. Gardenhoser. Yes, garden Rowan Gardner. Someone, someone who typically does well when NBA's he has to. Bill Self. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, that's actually an insult. Um, I think that was meant to be. But yo, and the thing about Bam Adebayo, by the way, he takes it serious. Like he is going to take the, uh, what's it called? The challenge of guarding Giannis. And he's going to take it so serious. Cause this dude, if you read, uh, Zach Lowe wrote a, a big article on Bam and, uh, he talked about it on a pod with me and times. Yo, this dude, Bam is no joke. Like he is about it. He wants the best player. He wants to be looked at as a guy who's going to be in so hard to play against and all this stuff. So to your point, Frank, Giannis better be on his A game because Bam's looking to take his lunch on both ends of the floor, realistically. Duff, Frank, I'm with you. What? Oh, my goodness. Come on. Now you guys are just... Yo. It's officially the cold take. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm supposed yeah, to be right. the one who's All saying right. the Bucks don't have enough uh, close game experience over here with my bad weird Yo. take, but now you guys are out here with this? The Heat, the Heat are winning this, bro. Are you saying you're going to copy us, Pete? What the fuck? I didn't you trying to jump on a bandwagon? That's crazy, yeah. dog. You trying to ride our wave, tickets, Pete? Bro. What the hell is that, man? Yeah, bro. Look, man, I'll tell you this. The Heat may not win this, may not win some games, but the Bucks will find ways to lose. That's the way Ooh. I feel. Whoa. They might not have – the what? Heat may not have all the talent, you know, to necessarily match up with the Bucks, but the Bucks are going to screw it up somehow. And I really feel like since they slow – you know, the Heat play defense. The Heat, they hit threes. So if you're going to give those two things up, all right, the Bucks are not going to be able to get out in transition. You know, Giannis, that's how he gets going. He's going to want to get out in transition – and he's going to want to get his easy buckets, you know, and then he's going to get, you know, try and drive from the three-point line. He's not going to be able to do that uh, with Bam guarding him, to your point, Frank. There's no way he's – and I'm saying, oh, it's going to be impossible. No. He's going to get his, but it's not going to be as easy as he thinks, and he's going to be in for a war for an entire seven-game series. Now, are these other guys going to be able to contribute, you know, consistently and, you know, hit consistent shots? I don't know because Chris Middleton hasn't – I mean, today was like his first pretty good game. You know, he's been iffy. Eric Bledsoe, you know, he just kind of just came back from his injury. You know, he had – I saw he had 13-7 and seven and 14-7, and seven, I want to say, which obviously he, he could get into the 20-point 20, 20 range, but he's going to need to do it if he's going to compete with Duncan Robinson shooting threes, Hero hitting threes, Drogic hitting threes, and Kelly Olenek hitting threes. You know, so it's going to be a battle – but I think the Heat are going to will themselves just because they also have that dude, Jimmy Butler, on the team because numbers do lie for his stats. Numbers always lie for Jimmy Butler. You know, it, oh, he's only shooting 45% from the field, and the next thing you know, I oh, get the big steal at the end of the game. I oh, hit the big shot at the end of the game. He hits the big and one at the end of the game. He's just a clutch guy that's going to get it done, and the Heat are going to find a way to win it. Y'all are he shoots crazy. 26% from three during the first, like – 98% of the game, and then in the last, like, 90 seconds, he's, uh, like, a 50% three-point three shooter. Marksman. A marksman. It's ridiculous. You guys are just, drinking it, though. He's got that. Like we said, like what? we always talk about Jimmy Butler, bro. 
I he's feel like got that. I, he's I got feel that. Like yo, Pete, bro, I'm never losing. I'm never yo, losing on the court. Yo, Pete is like Papa Doc at the end of Eight Mile right now. We're all eminent. <laughs> bro, I'm. I'm so I'm can I I don't know how we got here right now. Andrew came in with like a super sound take that the Heat are gonna make this super serious and it's gonna be a legit series, but the Bucks still got this. And then all three of you guys come in with the Heat are gonna win the series. I was considering making it a pick just to make it interesting, but let's be honest here. This is gonna be a series, but Bucks and six or Bucks and maybe seven, but it's gonna be all hard fought. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I'm saying. When I posed this question. I expected us to highlight the Heat as this team that's going to be uh, really fun and a true competitor, but not to win the seat. Yo, I don't. I'm I can't. To honestly, bet my I'm portion of the NBA league subscription again live on. Oh TV. no! Oh my god! Oh no! Don't do it again! Don't do it, do it again! again. Oh, do it! So this way, Pete has to bet on the Bucks. Oh, you guys are killing oh, me no. right now. It's my take I'm, that the Bucks I'm blow the, these games. Stole my take. This is this is my gambling. <laughs> the, the league pass. I'm a. He lives in New York City. This is a gamble. <laughs> Scratch my itch, Pete. Let's go. All right. Shut up. I wanted to root for the Heat, but now I'm like, what are you? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, brutal. Put, put you right on now. the spot, Pete. Put you on the spot. You know what? You know what? <laughs> I've been saying this <laughs> all. Go, Come on. I've been saying Let's this go. for two years that there's something to. A team like the Bucks that wins by 15 every game, that when they get punched in the mouth by a guy like Jimmy Butler, a guy like Bam, and it's a three-point game, and Giannis can't get to the hoop because they're not blowing the whistle like they normally do, and he can't hit a jump shot, and you need Chris Middleton to make a play, they ain't going to make the play. So I got now I have to be on your We're side now. I'm on the heat. We're Let's go. Heat and sit. Wait. <laughs> just, just to add a little bit of spice here, Heat in six. How about that? Oh, oh, oh. How quick they turn. Wow. How quick the tables turn. And that's where we are. Now Andrew's He's on like an island wind. over there. <laughs> oh, man. I'm lowering my pick. It's Bucks and five. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. My, I love my it. only worry is that Budenholzer is, is going to have no idea what to do. And Spolstra is going to coach circles around him. Yeah, so, and he's not going to be able to make adjustments. Oh. I'm a little worried about the offense if they can't figure it out. But if Bledsoe, if Bledsoe played well today, Middleton gets it going again, they might have to shorten the bench a little bit. They've they got a lot of minutes going around. But uh, I've been playing a long con, right? I've been talking a lot of shit about Giannis. I'm worried about his voice. He's from Greece. <laughs> worried about a lot of things. But <laughs> not, not, not anymore. I'm not worried anymore. Not worried anymore. That's great. No, but I, I'll, I'll tell you Spolcher versus Budenhoser. I just see it going this way. We'll throw Bam on Giannis, and we'll live with that matchup. But don't let Chris Middleton do anything. And they have the supporting cast to make Chris Middleton's life harder than most teams in the NBA. And I think that's what the difference is going to be. I think Spolcher is going to out coach Budenhoser. Wow. And look at this. Take Middleton out. Look at this. This is insane. Should we even talk about the last series? I mean, we're going like five hours on this podcast right now. No, let's do it real quick. (laughs) Next one. Next one. We got it. We got it. Oh, we got to get the point. All right, yo, Subway Sports Talk. All of us are here. We're talking about the last series here. The one I thought was going to be like the, with the hot takes and, and the competitiveness, Raptors-Celtics, but after, how do we even follow it up? We got Raptors. We got Celtics. Two of the 
most well put together, well coached, uh, well executed, best effort. At the, these two teams are what every franchise wishes their teams were. If you don't have LeBron James, you know what I'm saying? It's the perfect matchup. For sure. Who do who do we like? I mean, I don't. Should I just go first so I don't get pigeonholed into a weird pick now? But no, it's okay. Yeah. Frank, Probably. Frank, I want you yeah, to. That's to, what a coward would do. No, Frank, I want I want you to keep the heat going, Frank. No, no pun intended there. Raptors, Celtics. Are you feeling spicy here? I want spicy takes only now from from the rest of this pod out. Uh, you know, I'm gonna keep it going because I gave a lot of love to the Raptors on the last pod, and at the very least, I I want to try and stay consistent. So I'm gonna go with the Raptors. Uh. I think if you look at the overall talent pool of both teams, you probably would take the Celtics um, over Toronto. Um, but Toronto's just got this pedigree. Um, just something about them. Um, they defend the North. And I know they're down in Florida, but they still bring that energy, that same intensity. Um, Kyle Lowry is a great leader. Uh, he Definitely kind of got slightly dissed on our NBA top 25 aggregate list. Um, and flops. Definitely <laughs> flops, but. Super flops. But it he's works. He's not the only guy. He's not the only guy. Um, His are just like more dramatic. That's all. Shout They're out Nova. Like, like really dramatic. <laughs> but hey, I mean. What's your three attitude? That's because he's a better actor, you know, like I'm not going to take points away. No. But like in all seriousness, um. The experience, that's the difference in this series. Um, the Raptors have, like, the most seasoned of vets you could possibly have, probably besides, like, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and, like... And Kawhi. In the playoffs right now. And, like, and like yeah, Kawhi and Dame Lillard. Like, they have a ton of guys like that. They have um, Mike Lowry. They have um, Marcus All. They have Sergi Baca. Just all these guys who've basically been in the second season, the playoffs, the majority of their careers. So whereas the Celtics, uh, you know, they've showed out in the brief time that they have had their playoff time and young guys got to suck sack up and all that stuff. But I'm going to give credence to, to the veterans. I think uh, Raptors are going to take it also. Sorry, not, not too spicy. However, uh, I do think that the Raptors – um, we talked about this, I think, in the last pod a little bit, or the last pod that I was on at least, just that they have a lot of guys that are like kind of number twos on other teams. So I think they all rely on each other really well. And it's not like a, oh, like, you know, all give the ball to this guy and, you know, get out of the way kind of thing, iso ball. It's really like anybody could get the ball and everyone is, you know, expected to be ready to shoot or contribute in some way. And, um, you know, when you have guys that are consistently getting 20 points, you know, sometimes like four, four guys in, you know, in the lineup or in your, uh, in your rotation, getting 20 plus points a game, you know, that obviously is going to help and you're playing shutdown defense. So, you know, I, I would really take, take my chance with, with Raptors, I would say in six, um, just out of respect for, for Tatum and Jalen Brown, the way they're playing right now. But I think I'm going to go with Raptors in six. I was going to give the Raptors six games to lose to the Celtics out of respect for the, for the reigning champions. So that's pretty funny that we flipped it like that. Oh, oh, oh. 
I think this is the same way we were talking about Luca and and the kind of big step he took in his career, the way he moved forward, just growing up in the league and hitting these benchmarks, things like that. I think this is another moment for Tatum and Brown to do it. I know they did it earlier, like two was it two seasons ago? Yeah. But yeah. Hey, and you know I love Tatum, bro. You know I, know, I, I know. love Tatum. I, I know you love Tatum. Just can't do it. Yeah. I'm just saying, I, I feel this is another moment. Like, that one kind of felt more fluky to me, whereas now this this is the one where they're really going to – like, that was like the weird Jedi mind tricks with, like, Terry Rozier and Eric Bledsoe and all that weird shit. But gotcha. yeah. I just think this is the time for – if we are really – we saw flashes of it against the Sixers where Tatum was just like – I'm going to put this team on my back. I'm going to score 30 points a night and we're going to, we're going to win this fucking game. I don't care. And Jalen Brown is like consistently trying his ass off on every single play. It's just really enjoyable to watch. The only thing I'm worried about is if Gordon Hayward comes back from his ankle injury, then I flip my pick to the Raptors. Oh, if he's hurt, I'm with the Celtics. Come on. Wow. That's, that's bro. Didn't, didn't you see this? Didn't you not see the stat that I wrote to to send from Woj's tweet? They need the proper hierarchy. Bro, he had had, like the highest averages ever for the amount of minutes he played and the amount of shots he played, bro. He was playing sick. You you know what else? The Nuggets defense was significantly better with Nikola Jokic on the floor, but like eye test tells you something different. Like at a certain point, the numbers are wrong. At, at a certain point, with with a couple things like you're saying with Jimmy Butler and all that stuff, sometimes the numbers are wrong. I mean, I don't know if I agree with you on the Gordon Hayward front, but I do agree with Andrew, the overall point. Andrew, please speak to this man, Andrew. Come in with your Gordon Hayward takes. Uh, first of all, I have a confession to make. I can't quit Jalen Brown. <laughs> I love him. I don't know why. I have an irrational love for that guy. I just love the way he plays, his attitude. Just everything about him. His shoes are awesome. They go with fun colors. Like, just, just all the little things, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm rooting for the Celtics just because I, I love their team. I like all their guys. Tatum, Kemba. I love uh, Thais. I like, uh, what's his name? Enos Cantor. I, I, the thing is with Hayward, you know, it's you see the stats. Like, they win without him, but come on, let's be honest. You're better with him, right? If he's your fourth or fifth option on the floor at any time, you're doing pretty damn well. Now, the thing that's different about Hayward than maybe some other stars, you know, quote-unquote stars, is I feel like he's a pretty smart guy. He knows when to defer and when not to. I think he knows that Tatum is is definitely a level up on him, and and Kemba probably is too. Um, But the best thing that's probably happened for them is, is Marcus smart has been getting a lot of meaningful minutes and been impactful. That defensive play he had the other day to win the game with that steal and and pass in midair was unbelievable. I mean, Kyle sees that every day in football, but you don't see that in in basketball. No. Um, That being said, uh, the Raptors are damn good. Uh, Their coach is possibly the best in the NBA, just good as Stevens and pop and all those guys, in my opinion. Um, Lowry is just a general out there. Uh, they have a really good mix of guys. You can go what eight or nine deep at times. Dudes are, are putting up double digits. Van Vliet is unbelievable. I never thought this guy would be this good. Nor did I think this hot streak would last for two full years. But <laughs> I mean, at this point, he's he's legit. Like at this point, he's just on a heater that is real. It's not fake. Um, 
personally, I hope this goes seven just so we see some really ridiculous basketball and competitive games. I mean, they might be ugly because these teams can play ugly at times. Um, but uh, I'm rooting for Celtics in seven. Okay. And I want to see seven just because it's going to be fun as hell. And and I think it's a win-win for basketball fans, no matter who wins this series. I really wish it was the, the conference finals personally, um, just because not, nothing gets the heat of the Bucks, but these two teams I enjoy the most just because the way they are as a team and a unit is just it's it's fun fun to watch you brought up um with mike malone earlier where you're just like you know dozier and porter jr and you know uh bull bull like all these guys at a certain point you just gotta throw a fucking counter like do something crazy the the raptors have guys like that in space like whether it be og ananobi uh norman powell matt thomas uh, Chris Boucher, like all these guys, any one of them can just can really give you like ten minutes and fifteen points for no reason on any given night. It's, it's true. And, uh, that's what is so tough to guard. I mean, they they go so many guys deep, and they just they're all they know their role, they know what to do, and we didn't even talk about Spicy P, right? I mean, yeah. that dude. I mean, he he's a beast if he wants to be, right? I mean, he's like everyone else. It, it's going to be a hell of a series, I think. It's going to be incredible. I mean, the one thing that I'm really looking at here uh, as something the Raptors could possibly exploit is what's going to happen with Daniel Tice. So Tice has been a great piece in the Celtics rotation. He's doing all the things on uh, on defense. He hits the jump shot from the corner. He knows what to do with the basketball. He's a good player by pretty much all metrics, right? But with Marcus All, with Serge Ibaka... Uh, with uh, Siakam, if they go small, or even that really wonky lineup they do with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson every once in a while for a hot minute, like, can they figure out a way to exploit what Tice brings to that team? Obviously, if Cantor's in there, they can get Van Vliet and Lowry or Siakam or Norman Powell going right at Cantor, and they can take him out of the series. But the Celtics are prepared for that. They're ready for Cantor to be played out of any game at any moment, and whatever they can get, they can take. So I don't know if the Raptors are going to be able to do that consistently. I think if you look at Lowry, Van Vliet, Siakam, and then Tatum, Kemba, uh, and Brown, there we go. Like, if you look at them and, like, say, cancel each other out, can those other guys exploit the soundness of what the Celtics do otherwise? I think they can. And my heart wants me to lean to the Raptors here, but when I look at who the best player in this series is, I think, like Duffy said earlier, this is a chance where Tatum has that moment where he goes, I am the best player in this series, and I am not letting my team lose. So that's what I'm looking at as a possibility to go Celtics, but because my heart and because my everything else is saying Raptors, the whole team aspect, I'm going to say Raptors in seven, but I think this is a freaking toss-up. There's no, there's, honestly, there's not a good way to go hot on this take here. There's really not. They're both no. teams are too nope. good. They're too deep. They're too balanced. They play too good defense. Uh, so I think it's either Tatum taking his moment and lifting this team to the conference finals, or it's the Raptors as a whole and trading off who has the big games and and they win. But this is a seven game series, and anything else is a disappointment. I feel like there's no there's no wrong answer between any of us, just because obviously both teams are really good. Both you know both have players that could potentially take over. And 
you know, I, I know for me at least, I want to see it go seven games, you know, just because, you know, it's probably going to be the best, probably the best series in the second round, you know. So uh, if this can go as long as it, you know, possibly can, then uh, shit, let's just ride it out. So. Damn. That's it. We got three on the Raptors. I, I broke it there because I think we got the Duffies on the Celtics. Uh, typical Irishman. Yeah, these very <laughs> Irish guys. But no, we got two on the Celtics, three of us on the Raptors, and the Heat thing. I'm just, I'm still shook. Honestly, I, I don't even know what to oh, say I, at this point. Are we moving oh, on to last words? Yeah, we're. Totally I think, flipped you. dude. We're so past last right. words. So I, before we go to last words, and Frank, you're, you're going to get the first one. Uh, this is about almost a two-hour podcast. So if you're here listening right now to this podcast. You are the best. That's a, that's all I got to say. Like, just appreciate it because that means you, you don't hate what you're hearing, and that's pretty dope. So, Frank, last words. We're going two hours, and as Duffy said in our chat here, we missed a whole week. Screw it. Who cares? We had we needed we needed this, and hopefully you guys needed it too. Frank, last words. Hell yeah. Uh, last word. Everyone, bully your friends. Perfect example earlier. Pete wanted to choose the Bucks. Got bullied into choosing the Heat. <laughs> bully your friends. That's all I got. Pressure say. is good. Pressure, <laughs> pressure makes diamonds, baby. Hey, if the Heat gets beaten five, I'm going to feel real bad about this moment. <laughs> all right, Kyle, last words. What do you got? Uh, damn. Uh, this is, I know last, the last pot I was on, it was a, uh, a fun last word. This one isn't, I feel bad, but, uh, today is mama day. Yesterday was Kobe's birthday. Uh, we miss them, man. For real, I know I miss them. All this, all, especially all the stuff on social media, and it's not only for today or yesterday. Just like consistent, like reminders that like he's not like here anymore. It's like sucks. So, uh, you know, to all the Kobe fans, man, we're uh, obviously we're all with you, man. We miss them, but uh, yeah, man, I'm just happy we we're able to you know keep playing in the bubble and keep playing ball, you know, in his honor. It's cool to see like Jason Tatum, like wearing an armband now, like for all of his games. And, uh, you know, Kobe, I, I mean, uh, LeBron, I think wore one, one, one game too. So that's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, man, Kobe, we miss you, brother. Couldn't agree more. That's great. Let's, let's just end it with that, Kyle. Appreciate that. I grew up, I grew up with the biggest Kobe fan of all time. Andrew and I both did Frank Tweezy. So, Shout out Frank. Shout out all the Kobe stands out there. Shout out the uh the non Laker Kobe fans. You're not Laker fans, you're Kobe. Shout out you guys. Today yes. was for you. And if Kobe was playing in this bubble, man, the sound bites. Oh my God. I mean, we hear Chris Paul talking all the talk he does. If we ever got to see oh, Kobe yeah. this close up up close and personal, I mean the whole game would probably be bleeped, but I mean I the competitor that was Kobe Bryant, and I was I was not the biggest Kobe Bryant fan throughout his career, you know, rooting against the Lakers, the big bad wolf, you know, all this stuff. Um, but now, you know, you look back on it and you don't even realize what was in front of you this whole time. Uh, and the tributes continue and they'll keep going, hopefully, as uh, throughout the next, our whole lifetime, honestly. We're going to be talking about this dude for all the things he accomplished. For sure, man, Pete. I was I was actually the same. I was actually the same way because my uncle was a was a uh, Lakers fan, and he's a huge Kobe Bryant fan. 
And for some reason, I don't know why, man, I could not stand my uncle, man. Because <laughs> they kept winning. Like, and we were like, damn. He was like... my, yeah, dude. Like, yeah, and, you know, they, they never lost. They never lost. So I was like, yo, you know what? And I, and he was like, kind of, he was, he was a kind of a dick. So I was like, you know what? Like, yo, screw this dude. You know, every team that plays the Lakers, you know, I, you know, or like just Kobe, I don't, I don't like Kobe, like whatever. Cause he was Kobe's, Kobe was his favorite guy. Like, yo, yo, just forget Kobe. And then once, honestly, once I got older mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I, he was like my, my aunt and my uncle got divorced. I was like, Ah, damn, bro. You know, why was I doing that? Like, that was, <laughs> like Kobe's a man, bro. You know, I love Kobe. You know, and it, it's just like it's it sucks because like I feel like I didn't like appreciate him as much as I should have because I couldn't stand my uncle. But at the same time, you know, now we have like these YouTube highlights and you know all the social media stuff. It makes me, you know, at least go back and be like, oh yeah, I do remember he killed us on that night. I do remember, you know, he beat the shit out of the Knicks that one night. So, mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah, Andrew, I know it's a tough one to follow. Any last words for you? Uh, I was going to rant about the NBA refs and the rules, but I figured now's not the time. <laughs> no, it's what Kobe After would want, actually. Talk. Yo, Kyle, you don't last from now on, bro. <laughs> yeah, we we always want to talk about the refs, too. I've had enough. Pete, Pete threw me in the second one. I, I really did want to go either last or second to last, oh, so at dude, least you end on the positive That's note. on me. That's my bad. I, that's, that's all right. We'll let, we'll let it. We'll let it for another, another week. Yeah. You know what we're we'll gonna do though? For a couple more days, I gotta, I gotta at least like, you know, like throw the lob or, uh, you know, before before we even start, like, hey, look, my my last word isn't a good one today. So that's on me. Rookie move. Rookie move. I'm still new. So. No, you're just that's your slot now. You're last, no matter what you're last. <laughs> all right, man. All, all I got to say for Kobe, the Lakers are about to go 3-1 here. They're kicking the crap out of the Blazers. Two, I bought a pair of uh, uh, Kobe shoes this past winter, and I was playing in them, and they're one of the best shoes I, I've ever played in the low tops with the, the really wide base, right, to keep you from rolling your ankle. But it was uh, really cool. And then three, while you guys were all talking about Kobe, I was thinking about how fun it would be for him to be in this bubble right now telling everyone that isn't a Laker to basically go F themselves when they try to like come talk to him in the dining hall yeah. or like say like what's yeah. up by the pool like oh word Kobe so you're taking it off the court any of that I love that yeah I, I took it on the court all the smack he, off the court uh, like somebody looks at him at the pool nah he would have no. opted into like like isolation in turn like like uh yeah. solitary confinement it would have been more like him that and, than quarantine him and him and Garnett would be like the two guys that I would want to see in a bubble scenario like this. There'd be, they'd be ready to kill somebody. They would look uh, at each other wrong across the dining hall and then tables just start flipping. And everyone's like, yeah, what the fuck that. happened? It's like, Hey, you don't get it. J.R. Smith, <laughs> Smith gets hit with some soup across the, across the way. <laughs> oh man, that's good stuff. Oh, I don't man. even, I don't even have anything to say after that. Honestly, I'll just wrap it up. Subway sports talk. This was great. I mean, two hours. Okay, what else can I say after after this podcast here? We were afraid maybe with five of us we go a little long, but hey, we had fun, and that's what it comes down to. Hopefully, you had fun too. For listening, I have a podcast app, Spotify, wherever you are. Subscribe, put on notifications, a little rate and review. All that stuff is just wonderful. Every time somebody hits us up and tells us they like the show, they're listening in. They can't wait for the draft pod for football season, whatever it may be. 
That stuff is awesome. means a lot to all of us. Follow us on Twitter at Subway Sports Talk TLK, on Instagram at Subway Sports Talk, regularly spelled. Uh, but that's it. I got nothing else to say. Go basketball. It's going to be great fun. We'll be back with a baseball episode uh, probably towards the end of the week. But for now, signing off for everybody. Subway Sports Talk. Yeah.